entertaining, and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. On Capitol Hill now, the process to select a new Speaker of the House continues. Republicans heard from the candidates who have filed a run for the position during a closed-door candidate forum. Minnesota Congressman Tom Emmer has won the support of former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, but Florida Congressman Byron Donalds is looking to make history as the first black Speaker of the House ever. Republicans are hoping to unite behind a Speaker nominee sometime this week. Michael Cohen, a longtime attorney of former President Donald Trump, will testify at the trial accusing the former president of civil fraud. Cohen was once one of Trump's closest allies, famously pledging years ago that he would, quote, take a bullet for his then boss. However, that relationship has deteriorated over the years. Cohen speaking out against Trump and describing him in his memoir as a bully and a con man. Come for us. Come for us. You know how you spell us, right? You spell us, U.S. I just picked that up. Has anyone ever thought of that? I just picked that up. A couple of days I'm reading and it said us. And I said, you know, if you think about it, us equals U.S. Is, isn't that? Now, if we say something genius, they'll never say it. You know, we get 25, 30, 40, 50, 80,000, 100,000 people to speeches. They've never said Trump's a great speaker. Never said. I've never heard it. I said to my people, do you think they'll ever acknowledge I must be doing okay? Uh, except I'm a very handsome person, so I guess a lot of you want to sit. They want to sit and look at me because I'm so, like a beauty pageant. Grounded a second. Two years removed from losing a First time since 2011, the Rangers are going to the World Series after having six consecutive losing seasons. The release of two more hostages by Hamas. Israel is also issuing, issuing a new warning to civilians to evacuate northern Gaza. Another sign of a ground invasion may be imminent. We're also learning tonight that a top Marine general is now advising Israel's military. Out of captivity, 85-year-old Yoshevid Lifshitz. 79-year-old Nurit Cooper. Their husbands are still thought to be in the hands okay, of Hamas. Okay. It comes as Israeli forces launched a ferocious new assault across Gaza. Hundreds of explosions in some of the heaviest bombardments Gaza has seen in two weeks of Israeli airstrikes. Ahead of an expected ground offensive, U.S. officials warn of an escalation of violence across the region especially from Iranian-backed groups like Hezbollah in Lebanon. God shall light the candle for all the children of God, the Ten Commandments, the laws of life, the truths of justice. The memory of this Hamas Holocaust will haunt all, but we shall heal. We shall make sure this will never happen again. In the name of Moses, I declare justice for all. The world is mourning with you, Israel, and the USA stands with you. And as Moses says, let our people go. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be 
And in my outer darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. 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 Whisper words of wisdom. Let it be. And when the broken-hearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer. Let it be. For though they may be parted, there is still a chance that they will see. There will be an answer. Let it be. Beatles classic, Let It Be, as we start our Tuesday edition of New York's number one morning show, self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. We are sitting friends in the morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC at 6.08 on your Tuesday morning. Let it be. Give me some of this, uh, Louis. Get me going with some Beatles. Little Harry Harrison Beatles breakfast. So the last voice you heard in that uh, great open put together once again, as he does every morning by executive producer Justin Ellick, was the voice of Academy Award-winning actor John Voight, most recently doing tremendous work in the TV show with my friend Liv Schreiber, who's a hopeless liberal, mind you, Ray Donovan. But, of course, uh, you think about John Voight, the unbelievable performance when he won the Oscar with Jane Fonda in Coming Home. So many great performances, and he was on this show not that long ago. You remember that, Lou. And I remember because, you know, this is not like me, not my character, but he went on to shower me with uh, such incredible compliments. And you remember that, Lou, right? When um, oh, He was the one. <laughs> John Voight. I mean, they, they stand out. Because yeah, there's, so there's a lot of them. Few. You're right. There's no, a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, there's a lot. They basically all do it, but... John Voigt was a big deal for me. But he uh, wrote that uh, little piece, and we've got all of it coming up later on in the show, pledging his love for Israel. And not a lot of actors these days are doing that. You know that. A lot of entertainers, in fact, have gone the other way. A lot of them. Way too many for my liking. In fact, uh, Megyn Kelly did something yesterday in her podcast where she called out a couple of these idiots Specifically, this Alyssa Milano, who is the boss, and uh, some other things. I mean, fine actress. But um, she is a horrible person, Alyssa Milano. Hope you're listening, Tony Danza. Alyssa Milano is a horrible person. And unlike John Voigt, who you heard there 
pour his heart out in support of Israel, Alyssa Milano goes the other way, as detailed here by our friend Megan Kelly Lou. This is cut number 17 just yesterday. What does Alyssa Milano think? So Alyssa Milano, John Stewart, Wanda Sykes, Joaquin Phoenix, Sandra O, oh, Kate Blanchett, Rosario Dawson, Margaret Cho, Jessica Chastain, Channing Tatum, uh, a bunch of other people I never heard of, signed a letter demanding a ceasefire right now. Because I'm sure Alyssa Milano is very versed in Mitty's policy, and she really wants a ceasefire this instant. Look at that list of people there. Some of those folks I actually really like. like I think Joaquin Phoenix is a brilliant actor. I mean, brilliant. Weirdo. But he's a weirdo, and worse than that, weirdo's bad enough, but he's the enemy. He is the enemy. If you're asking for a ceasefire, you're the enemy. You just are. That's what celebrities are going to do. I know. I know. No Ceasefire. Like I put on my Instagram yesterday, you can follow me on Instagram, folks. I recommend you all do, at Rosenberg.Sydney, Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, Twitter, at Sid Rosenberg. But I'm most active on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney. You're not going to rape our daughters, kill our parents, and live to tell about it. There ain't going to be no ceasefire. So AOC and Rashida Talib and Elon Omar and Alyssa Milano can shove it up your ass. Ain't going to be no ceasefire. We're going to kill all of you. All of you. Like that fine actor Nate said yesterday on this program, for all you folks out there worried about the little kids in Gaza, just remember those animals that stormed Israel back on October the 7th and are still holding, mind you, over 220 hostages. They were little kids once, too. Little innocent kids. But they were taught at a very, very early age to hate Jews, kill Jews, and now they're doing it successfully. And there's a whole generation of little kids who all these Americans are so worried about that in 10, 12 years, their dream is to do exactly what Hamas did. A whole generation of kids. You know, they let go of these two elderly hostages. God bless them both. 85-year-old Lifshitz, 79-year-old Cooper. Both of their uh, husbands are believed to be still in captivity. But they're old and, and sick. One of the ladies, Lifshitz, did say that she was a little surprised that the Hamas terrorists actually took care of them medically, gave them medicine. But she also said that she was thrown on a motorbike, driven to the other side of Gaza, and when she got to the other side, that civilians, you know, those people you're all worried about out there, the civilians were punching at them, spitting at them, Doing all those things, you know, those innocent people you're so worried about. And then she described this tunnel system as a spider web of tunnels. And they took these hostages to different parts. They broke them up. So you have to imagine the young pretty girls are in one place. The elderly people are in another place. The little children in another place. They've got a spider web over 300 miles of tunnels, many of which right now the fear is are booby-trapped 
before the Israelis start their ground incursion. But I said to Justin this morning, while it's wonderful for the families of these two ladies, although, again, their husbands are still believed to be hostages, they're 85 years old, they live their lives. What about the 18-year-old girls that they've got down there? They've got a bunch of them. When are they coming home? And they're never coming home because what they're doing to these young girls every day, Alyssa Milano, if you've got a daughter, I've got a 19-year-old daughter, what they're doing to these young girls every day, you should pay attention. Maybe ceasefire would not be the first stupid word coming out of your mouth. This guy's name is Nimrod, I swear to God, but he's an IDF Special Force member. He was on Fox yesterday, and he talked about what some of these young girls are going through every day in those lonely tunnels at the bottom of Gaza. Hey, Alyssa Milano, take a listen. Cut number 16. I rushed from my home as a civilian, understanding that civilians, innocent civilians, babies, kids, mothers, elderly are being actually slaughtered. What I just heard, everything is accurate. I've seen with my own eyes dozens of bodies lay down in the, in the roads, in the highways, Hamas ISIS terrorists took the time to kill innocent civilians, to uh, uh, dismember their bodies, raping in the roads. I'm not talking even inside the communities yet. And whatever just got mentioned here, I've seen with my own eyes few of these safety bomb shelters in the roads where innocent civilians got in to find shelter. When Hamas came, they did a selection. They took women out and said, this one is for rape. This one will stay in the in the safe shelter. And after that, threw grenades inside, killing everyone. That's what I've seen with my own eyes. Did you hear that, Alyssa Milano? This one is for rape. 18-year-old girls, girls my daughter's age, that are down there right now. Who knows how many of these animals pay visits to these girls every day? Every day. These are very long days. And you want a ceasefire? You want these people to be able to do that and then just lay down your arms, call it a day? Play that one more time. Take a listen. Bomb shelters where Israelis ran for cover. These animals actually went in, took out the pretty girls for rape, and then threw grenades in to kill everybody else. One more time, Lewis. Cut number 16. I rushed from my home as a civilian understanding that civilians, innocent civilians, babies, kids, mothers, elderly are being actually slaughtered. What I just heard, everything is accurate. I've seen with my own eyes dozens of bodies lay down in the in the roads, in the highways. Hamas ISIS terrorists took the time to kill innocent civilians, to uh, uh, dismember their bodies, raping in the roads, I'm not talking even inside the communities yet. And whatever just got mentioned here, I've seen with my own eyes few of these safety bomb shelters in the roads where innocent civilians got in to find shelter. When Hamas came, they did a selection. They took women out and said, this one is for rape. This one will stay in the, in the safe shelter. And after that, threw grenades inside, killing everyone. That's what I've seen with my own eyes. So Donald Trump is back in court today, and that uh, low-life scumbag, his former backstabbing attorney friend there, Michael Cohen, is going to testify against Trump. 
And Trump yesterday was uh, talking about this Israel war and some of the things that he thinks Joe Biden has done, very complicit in this Joe Biden, which he is, to make all of this possible. This is uh, Donald Trump yesterday from court, cut number three, talking about this attack as the worst in Israeli history. Donald Trump, Lewis, cut number three. Innocent men, women, children, and babies were kidnapped, raped, tortured, slaughtered in the worst terror attack in Israeli history. It was the worst in their history, actually. Babies, I guess they said 42 babies with their heads chopped off. Think of that one. They don't even want to talk about it. Crooked Joe went before the American people and said that if you want to support Israel, then you have to give a blank check for the proxy war also in Ukraine, having to do with Russia and Ukraine, which is another one, by the way, would have never, it would have never happened if we were president. If we didn't have that election, you wouldn't have that, you wouldn't have inflation, you wouldn't have had the attack on Israel, you wouldn't have had a lot of the horrible things. The world is exploding. If you take a look, I mean, the whole world is exploding. Yeah, I think I said court. He's in court with Michael Cohen today. That was from New Hampshire yesterday. Here's one more saying that basically Joe Biden and Trump is right. Biden financed Hamas and Hezbollah. The Israelis are dealing with this today because of Joe Biden. This is Donald Trump, cut number four. How about the the person, the security person, top security person for Biden said, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack us from the north because that's where we're most vulnerable. Can you believe it? The following morning we get attacked from the north. Now, can you believe the guy, is? he's a national security advisor. I hope that Hezbollah doesn't attack Israel from the north because that's where we're the most vulnerable. The following morning they got attacked. But this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with stupid people. Dealing with stupid people. He funded Hamas, Hezbollah abroad. Well, he launched a war on patriotic citizens at home. Donald Trump, uh, once again in court today, and he will go face-to-face with Michael Cohen. Uh, We got a huge, huge guest list today. Lots to cover. Yes, you heard the audio for the third time in club history. And for the first time since 2011, the Texas Rangers are going back to the World Series. They've never won one. They lost to the San Francisco Giants in 2011. Albert Pujols, David Freeze, and the St. Louis Cardinals in 2011. I should say the Giants were 2010. And the Rangers await the winner of a Game 7 between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks to fill out this year's 2023 World Series. And a record-setting weekend for Patriots coach Bill Belichick. He becomes one of just three men in the history of the NFL to do what? Well, you're going to find out. Keep it right here. Vito LaBella running for New York City Council. Curtis Sliwa, Mike Lawler, Alan Dershowitz, Larry Kudlow, Paul DiGiacomo, and Michael Goodwin all going to stop by today. Sid on a Tuesday with the Beatles. Let it be. Let it be. And when the night is cloudy, there is still a light shines on me shine until tomorrow let it be i wake up to the sound of music mother mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom let it be let it be let it be let it be yeah 
77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. commercial for the Jacob Javits Center. And there's a big event, a uh, radio event. Most of you don't care, but there's an award called the Marconi. The Marconi Award is the most prestigious in radio. It's kind of like the Oscar for actors. I think I just won five Marconis. Does that sound right to you, Lewis? Five? I have to look at my notes. You <laughs> yeah. know that by heart, my friend. I think you won five. Pretty impressive. And I guess they give these Marconis out for all kinds of reasons. So congratulations to John and Margot Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, George Emily, the whole crew. I believe that WABC is up for two Marconis at the big dinner coming up tomorrow night at the Javits Center. Legendary station, which we were, then we weren't, but we are again, thanks to John and Margot Katsimatidis. And I believe news talk as well. Congratulations to Noam Layden and the whole crew. But I'm not going because, first of all, it's in the city, and I live in Queens, and I just can't do it. i got to be up at the crack of dawn, literally 3 o'clock in the morning, and I just can't do it. And secondly, to be completely honest, I'm not going because I'm not nominated. So I don't care to watch Mark Simone walk up to the stage <laughs> You know, to me, it's kind of like the Baseball Hall of Fame is not, uh, for me at least, the Baseball Hall of Fame is nonsense. Until you put Pete Rose in the Baseball Hall of Fame, as well as every one of those steroid guys, all of them belong in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, maybe not all of them, but certainly the great, great ones should be in the Hall of Fame. And until you put Pete Rose and some of these other guys in the Hall of Fame, to me, the Hall of Fame is a joke. And until I win a Marconi, to me, the Marconis are a joke. Do you see the uh, the analogy I just made, Lewis? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm drawing point A to point B. <laughs> yeah. The real, yeah. the real, yes. I was just going to say the, the Actually, rock. in terms of analogies you've made, like the history of your analogies, that one actually is up there in terms of the one that makes, makes sense. Makes sense, right. Yeah. I mean, who in the hell, seriously, who in the hell is up for a Marconi this year? There's no more Imus. Stern's not on radio. Mike and the Mad Dog are retired. Who the hell is up for a Marconi? I can't even, I can't even name five really good radio hosts anymore. Can you? Simone? He's up. Uh, He's actually one of the nominees. (laughs) I just took a shot. Because, I mean, the, the whole thing is so political. It's basically whoever the NAB likes, or if you go to dinner with those guys, you're a Marconi Award nominee. Just like the Baseball Hall of Fame. Same thing. Wherever the reporters like. Exactly. Same thing. Right. 
So you, the Hall of Fame and the Marconi are basically the same. So you basically are akin to Pete Rose. Yeah. That's yeah. It. That's He's the really hit king. I'm the hit king. Yeah. He's not in the Hall of Fame. I'm not even nominated for a Marconi. And I'm sorry whether you hate my guts or not. You may hate my guts. There's no way you can make a logical explanation that right now, right now, I'm not one of the five or six most important hosts, not just in New York City, but across the country. Do you know who the other who the uh, nominees are? Not others. I'm not nominated. Who the nominees are? Do you know? I have no idea. Look you, those up. You know? I'm, I'm curious. Okay. I just know Simone. That's it. Okay. And um, now all you have to do is gamble on yourself, <laughs> and you, you and Pete Rose <laughs> right. will be good. Yeah. Then we'll be good to go. Yeah. Right. That's it. Uh, we got a, a very very busy show today. A lot of guests. A lot of guests. Starting with Vito Labella. He's running. I believe he's running in that Asian district. And I don't know, but the name Vito LaBella doesn't sound very Asian to me. Well, how about you, Lewis? Hey, hey, what the hey, Vito, hey. <laughs> hey, wonton super. But my friend Jennifer Harrison from the uh, New York's, uh, you know, the victim rights, she's going to be at the big Back to Blue event tomorrow. She reached out to me and said, look, Vito's running. She likes Vito. I agree with Jen Harrison about 99.99% of the time, whether she's talking about candidates or policies here in New York. So she asked me, and I said, sure. And I'm sure that Curtis, coming up at 710 this morning, he must know Vito. At the very least, he knows about all these council races. So we'll give Vito LaBella a shot right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. Coming up in about uh, 10 minutes, then we'll get to Curtis Sliwa, Mike Lawler, Alan Dershowitz, Larry Kudlow, the head of the DEA, Paul DiGiacomo. And DiGiacomo spoke to former Mayor Bill de Blasio yesterday, and he's got a bombshell for us about the cops and what they were allowed and not allowed to do back to the BLM riots dating back to the summer of 2020. So Paul DiGiacomo has a bombshell coming up at 10 after 9. And then, of course, the great New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin. He'll be here at 925. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25-plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to fund a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Week 7 in the NFL wrapped up last night in Minnesota between the San Francisco 49ers and Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. Minnesota QB Kirk Cousins connected with Jordan Addison for two first-half scores. Cameron Bynum intercepted Brock Purdy twice in the fourth quarter, and the Vikings held on to shock the 49ers by score 22-17. to Christian McCaffrey scored twice for the 49ers, who have a two-game losing streak for just the second time in two years. They fall to 5-2. and two. 
uh, overall for the season. And while the Vikings moved their record to 3-4 and four over to the Diamond in the MLB playoffs where the ALCS ended with Game 7 last night between the Rangers and Astros in Houston. Natalie Garcia homered twice and drove in five runs as the Rangers clinched their first World Series appearance in 12 years with an 11-4 blowout of the Astros. Garcia wins the MVP for the championship series. They'll meet the winner of the NLCS Game 7 between the Diamondbacks and Phillies after Arizona took care of the Phillies in Philly last night by a score of 5-1. to one. In Game 6, the force said Game 7. That decisive first pitch is scheduled for tonight at 8.07 p.m. in Philadelphia. In hockey, no local action to get to from last night, but all three local teams will lace them up tonight. The Devils are in North, uh, or up north, I should say, in Montreal for a 7.15 p.m. puck drop against the Canadians. The Islanders are at home for an 8 p.m. puck drop against the Colorado Avalanche, and the Rangers will be north of the border as well in Calgary to face off with the Flames at 9.45. And finally, the NBA regular season opens up tonight with a pair of games. The Lakers are in Denver to tip off the season with the Nuggets, and the Suns are in Cali to take on the Warriors. No Knicks or Nets action to look forward to until tomorrow night when both teams are set to get things going on home court. That's sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boy. Oh, my God. Elegon 77. Oh, my God. That was Boomer disgusting. Oh. oh, you're looking at that list. That's Boomer <laughs> and Geo? <laughs> I thought you were I mean, laughing at me. What a bunch of swill. I was literally drowning Boomer in my and Geo. Oh, my God. Major market personality oh. of the year, Boomer and, and uh, Greg Giannotti. Oh, and you get these uh, three dupuses in Dallas, Fort Worth. Some guy named Jason Pullman in Dallas, Lynn Bremer in Chicago, and uh, some couple in Fort Worth. No one's ever heard of these people. No. Paul Castronova in Miami. I don't even see Mark Simone here now. No, I didn't see him out on there either. So yeah. I don't know if he's up. There. Maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe out by Castronova. Mm. The legendary stations, <laughs> KCBS in San Francisco. WDAS in Philly, some station in Cincinnati, some station in Philly. KRP? All right. No, MMR. Okay. And us, WABC. Right, but we wouldn't be up for most legendary station if it weren't for you. So if you cut up Cal- Right, so if you, get us, if you get us that award, then how are you not even up for... That makes no sense. And it makes literally no sense whatsoever. Syndicated personality of the year, Rich Eisen. Oh, yeah. From the NFL <laughs> Network, Please. who I know very well, Katie Neal. I like Rich, but Katie Neal. Katie Neal still. Yeah, she's wow, up for. Okay. Uh, she's up for a, a Marconi, wasn't she at that Nash Country Station with us? I no. Yes. She was, was she on Nash? I believe she was. She's a Odyssey, Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. Oh, okay. And uh, George Norrie, you know who he is. Oh, this is just a oh, list George of... Oh, George Norrie, that alien show? That <laughs> yeah. overnight thing? you got to be kidding me. Yes. George Norrie. No, no this is, about that. Like, this that was, is... How does that even work? How what do they come up with What an S these? show. How do they come There's up with There's nobody these? out there. I'm trying to explain to you. They talk to deranged lunatics. But then so wouldn't it be long. obvious? It didn't, then you should be an obvious it's, name. No, no, it's not obvious. Well, clearly, clearly, it's not obvious. Weird to me. I mean... Well, clearly, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. it's not a really valid list. <laughs> well, we also live in a world with rampant anti anti-Semitism, so you know, not a lot of stuff makes sense. I don't days. know who these people are. Small market personality of the year: Cat and JJ Holiday, Kelly and Wood. I mean, come on, man, come on, <laughs> Kelly and Wood. Yeah, Chad, I won't be going tomorrow night. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, at least Castronova made it. You know, I used to do. A show. I, I knew him a long time ago. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 
Tonight at 647 on your Tuesday morning. You know, these uh, districts are so damn confusing with all these council races coming up, which I keep urging you folks out there to vote. It's very, very important. We're all caught up in Trump-Biden 2024. We should be in anybody who does not vote for Donald Trump at this point is a traitor. You're a traitor. I don't care whether you like him or not. You may think he's the biggest dick that ever lived. So what? He's the only guy that can save us. And it still may be too late. But these council races are very close to home. And if, for example, I don't know, you were nauseous like I was, maybe even anxious and fearful, watching all those pro-Hamas people. I don't call them pro-Palestinian. I call them pro-Hamas. They're okay with the murder. They like it. In Bay Ridge, Bay Ridge, where I went to school all those years, Poly Prep in Diker Heights, If you are nauseous like me, then these local city council races are really important. And ironically, while I mentioned that horrible protest or rally, whatever took place on Saturday in Bay Ridge, Vito LaBella is running for council in Bay Ridge, Diker. You know, it's it's a little confusing. Like I said, Justin Brannon, that asshole, he is now the... The, um, the councilman for District 43. But now he moves to District 47, and everybody has to vote for Ari Kagan to unseat Justin Brannan, who's an enemy. He is. He's an enemy of the state. You must vote Ari Kagan in District 47. 43 now becomes this Asian district. And I can't think of anybody more Asian than Vito LaBella. (laughs) But he's running, and he's here this morning. Good morning, Vito. How are you, pal? Good morning. Thank you so much for doing this. (laughs) Nice to have you. So, so Vito LaBella, um, and I love the Italian people, of course. Uh, what, um, What has you running in a district against everybody else who's Asian? Well, okay, so this district, like you said, this is this district was created, I call it the Brannon Avilas Mander district, because we they chopped up South Brooklyn into four districts. They took a chunk of uh, a conservative area of, of uh, South Brooklyn, uh, Diker Heights, uh, the, the Army base, the golf course. They gave it to Staten Island in District 50 which is a great guy. David Carr is a great guy. It, those people will be very, very well served. Um, and then they had that one-block connector that you were talking about on 81st Street. They strung a one-block connector from Bay Ridge to Coney Island, and they threw Ari Kagan under the bus, which is good for Ari. Like you said, you got it right. you got to vote for Ari Kagan in 47 because they, they threw Ari under the bus because Brannon didn't want to go against uh, the socialist uh, Alexa Avilas. 
and uh, they took a big chunk of of Diker Heights, um, like where all the Christmas lights are, and they put it with Avilas, which is Sunset Park, Red Hook, Park Slope, uh, to try to dilute the conservative voices. So my whole my whole spiel is: I say this again and again. We have to vote uh, down the line. Republican conservative, because uh, we have to send the message that South Brooklyn won't be disenfranchised. And that's the main message I'm getting out there. In my District 43, you say it's 54 percent Asian, and that's the big excuse that they gave to, to do this nonsense. But it was really to preserve power for themselves, the Democrats, of course. But look, I have been working with the Asian community since uh, 2018, when the city tried to uh, try to tell Asian kids that there were too many of them in Stuyvesant and Brooklyn Tech, and that we had to reduce their numbers. Okay, I was the PTO president at Krista McAuliffe 187, 67% Asian uh, families in our, in our school. So I sued the city to stand up for the Asian community. We protested to stand up for the Asian community. So you don't have to be Asian to stand up for any community. I stood up for the Asian community, but we also have Russian Russians in this community, Russian Jews in this community who are very, very upset. And you said why we have we have 10 percent Italians in this community. We have it's a it's a very diverse community. And both my opponents are using identity politics and saying, oh, vote for me because I'm Asian. Vote for me. I understand the culture. Yeah, the culture is let's be safe. Let's have businesses that are not getting destroyed by serial shoplifters. Let's have um, let's have good education, meritocracy. Okay, I understand that part of the Asian culture. And it's not just Asian culture. It's culture for really common sense people. And that's why I'm running this district, because I know this district. And I know this families in this district, I know the community. I grew up, I grew up going to Diker Heights and Bensonhurst. I grew up in Bay Ridge. So, so this is my home, my home for, what, 61 years now. So that's why I want to do this. Being at your home for 61 years, and it was my home for a couple of years when I went to Poly Prep and took that uh, trip off the Bell Parkway to Dyker Heights every morning for the yep. better part of five years. Uh, what I saw last Saturday night was just not okay. Now, I know there's a lot of Palestinians and Muslims that live in that community. I know it. But to see it in those numbers, now the city tried to tell me that they weren't all from Brooklyn. Some of these people came in from the city and other places. But Curtis Sleva says to me, no, no, they are there. 5,000 of those people in Bay Ridge on Saturday night. So as a lifelong Bay Ridge guy, what were you thinking late Saturday night? Well, uh, you know, I mean, you have to really start with Hamas is a terrorist organization. And what they did is nothing short of this is the worst thing, I think. And you always have to be wary of comparing anything to the Holocaust. But when you see people being dragged out of their homes and shot in the streets, I mean, every Holocaust movie you ever see, every World War II movie you ever see, that's, that's the images. How could you not make, make that reference? How could you not feel the same way? It was horrible. Now, I understand that there are heightened emotions and there's going to be a lot of people in Palestine that are going to suffer because of the actions of Hamas. Vito, there's no such place, Palestine. There's, uh, no. They live in the Gaza Strip because the Israelis are kind enough to give them a home. The Palestine does not exist. Just to cut you off for a second. There's no, no, such, place, for, uh, there's no okay. such place on the map called Palestine. It doesn't exist. I understand that. I'm, I, I understand that. But here it is. 
there there are people there that are going to suffer, right? They're going to suffer, and um, and that's really unfortunate. But it's because of Hamas that they're going to suffer. That's right. I think that's right. And a lot of these people that are going to suffer are the same people that were smacking this 85-year-old woman returned to safety yesterday as she was being taken to the side on a motorbike and the same people that were handing out candies to their children and dancing in the streets. So let's be very, very careful about who we think is innocent and not because we just don't know. A lot of those folks, a lot of those folks are very happy to see what happened 17 days ago. In Israel. Which is horrible. Which yeah. is horrible, right? And, 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 Bay Ridge, and Bay Ridge is no place for that. What What is the right place for that? There is no right place for well, that. Gaza. There is no right place celebrating murder and, and, and the murder of innocent people. And it's not it's not a military operation by any means. I said no. this before. No. They didn't have the guts to attack a police station. What no. did they attack? They, they attacked a peace protest. Right. A peace protest. Yeah, the musical uh, it, 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 was, it was the Woodstock of Israel. And these people go in there? And murder these and murder these people and rape yeah. these girls. No, it's awful. They raped them in the streets. They raped them at the music festival. They've got a bunch of eighteen, nineteen-year-old girls as we speak in tunnels right now, being raped every single day while they send back eighty-five-year-olds. It's really horrendous. And there are still people in this country asking for ceasefire. Vito Labella is running in District Forty-Three for a council seat. So, Vito, there's already a Republican running against you. I don't know who this lady is, but she is a Republican, and some people are saying. Hey, Vito, if anything, you're going to dilute the vote between the two of you and hurt the Republican chances of winning this race. I'm sure you've heard that. Yes. Yes, of course. Look, there there are three candidates on this ballot. There is no presidential, no gubernatorial, no mayor race. There are a bunch of city court judges, which civil court judges, which nobody cares about. And there's three candidates for running for city council. Uh, it's me and two others. What we're telling people is. You vote for the candidate. You look at my experience, 32 years uh, as a police lieutenant in the NYPD. Well, 20, I don't know, 28 as a lieutenant and so many years as a sergeant or whatever else uh, as a cop. But the, the, the thing is, I have institutional knowledge of the NYPD. For the last six years, I've been working in education, going, getting institutional knowledge of the dysfunction that's the Department of Education and the difference that they've made since de Blasio messed up everything, and now they're trying to t- uh, walk it back a little. But it's a constant ongoing fight and a struggle to try to come back from the disastrous de Blasio policies. And that's the de Blasio policies in policing, the de Blasio policies in education, pretty much across the board. Housing, all of this, all of these crazy uh, laws they want to shove down building owners' throats that are going to destroy um, destroy the actual idea of owning property in, in New York City. It is a mess. Uh, Bill de Blasio actually spoke, uh, you were a cop for 32 years, with my dear friend, the head of the DEA, not drug enforcement, Detective Endowment, Paul DiGiacomo. He's going to join me at 9 o'clock. And he explained to him uh, some of the police procedures, I guess, uh, sent down by the Governor Cuomo at the time, back in the BLM summer of 2020. So according to Paul DiGiacomo, he's going to drop a bombshell on this show coming up in about three hours. But uh, as for you, Vito LaBella, for folks who want to vote for you, help out your your campaign, how do they do that this morning? Well, VitoLaBella4NewYork.com, go to my website. But you're absolutely right. The most important thing is you have to get out and vote. We have super low turnout in the primaries. That's probably why I didn't win the Republican primary. Um, 
But we're going to we're go- we expect to have super low turnout in this election. It is imperative that if you are any place in South Brooklyn, any place in the city, and you care about making a difference, you got to vote for. We got to speak about uh, Paul Rodriguez in thirty-eight. He's going up against the DSA. Got to vote for Paul Vito Labella. Ari Kagan in South Brooklyn, send the message that it's not okay to disenfranchise South Brooklyn. That's the biggest message I want to get out there. Vito, great job, buddy. Thank you for coming on this morning. Best of luck. We'll talk again before the big day, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. All right, Vito, take care. Thank you for your service as well. Got to love my buddy Jonathan Siegel, who just sent me a text. And uh, going back to the part of the conversation, Vito and I were discussing... um, Palestine, which doesn't exist, his quote was, light them up. Light them up. I agree. Hour one is done, but we got a huge, huge show about to come your way with three hours of amazing guests. Curtis Sliwa, Mike Lawler, Alan Dershowitz, Larry Kudlow, Paul DiGiacomo, and Michael Goodwin. All coming up just today, right here on your favorite talk show in New York City. The Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What'd you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. for a bunch of stories this morning. One Noam just reported on last night, really over the last 24 hours, the IDF has hit over 400 Hamas terror targets. Now over 1,000 overall. And I believe, Noam, the number you just gave of dead Hamas officials, big machas in Hamas, Five in one night. Is that right? It's actually five over the last couple of days, but they've been hitting hard. And they took out the guy who was in charge of the aerial part that, you know, those guys that came in on hang gliders on October 7th who planned that operation into that concert where they killed 260 young kids, essentially. They, um, they took that guy out. And also plenty of hostages from that event. Yeah. Uh, two in particular, I know, Mia Shem and uh, the young lady. And uh, Hirsch Goldberg, whose mother is on TV, Rachel, just about every day. So that song makes sense there. Another one bites the dust, uh, dust, I should say. Dead Hamas guys, which I must say arouses me. The more dead Hamas, the better. But then later on tonight, 
thanks to the hard work of the brother-sister combination of Curtis and Maria Sliwa, there is a Rockaway Town Hall. I had nothing to do with this. None of it. Not setting it up. Not the planning. I just got a flyer from Mike Sullivan with my face on it, and I was told to show up tonight. So, Rockaway Town Hall, regarding the migrant camp at Floyd Bennett Field, and Noam, you played a cut from some lady last night, one of my neighbors outside of Floyd Bennett Field, who was yelling about the fact that it's um, it's a mud zone. It's muddy. Did she say that? She did. She said, you know, why are we putting these migrants here when we know it's a flood zone? Right. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, Curtis has been saying that to his credit for a while. And now they're starting to really shut down these migrant centers, the FDNY, because of safety concerns almost every day. So this town hall is tonight at the Rockaway Knights of Columbus Hall. That's at 333 Beach, 90th Street. And according to Curtis and Maria, this uh, will lay out plans from massive acts of civil disobedience to stop the mayor and other city officials from moving migrants into three big tents that City Hall has constructed on one way 19 at Floyd Bennett Field. Once again, Rockaway Knights of Columbus Hall, 333 Beach, 90th Street at 7 o'clock tonight. And Curtis, who, of course, gets great ratings, noon to one every weekday afternoon, the Rip and Read, overnight weekends. He's Mr. Overnight, and, of course, his best work right here next to me is here this morning, and he's fired up about a bunch of things, closing down a migrant center in Manhattan, the big town hall tonight, Mike Lawler coming on this show in about 20 minutes. He is fired up, the great, the icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel, Curtis Sliwa. Well, thank you. And Sid Rosenberg, uh, let me just say another notch on our belts. Yes. Number eight. Oh, eight. Number eight migrant center closed yesterday. So if any people have their doubts out there, uh, the city of New York City Hall was saying, what was Curtis Sliwa doing near that Turo College facility that was closed down by the fire marshals because of hot plates, overloaded electrical outlets, charging lithium batteries inside their rooms. Where do you think this all started, Sid? But out in Staten Island where we closed migrant center after migrant center after migrant center. you got to find the seam, the Achilles heel of City Hall, which are many, because, uh, again, Eric Adams, swagger man, has no plan. He just, oh, let's open up migrant centers. And then what I do is I go in there with human intelligence, including the illegals themselves. You know how I befriend people. Yes. Money yes. goes a long way to convincing <laughs> Jose from Venezuela to give us the outlay. Tell us what's going on inside. Take pictures. They all have cameras. So you're telling me that much like a Honey Bear, Pistarsky and Hutch. Yes. You've got illegals who are your informants inside the centers feeding you pertinent information. Right. Why not? They're here for the money. We know they're not asylum seekers. Oh my God. We know they're here for money. Come on, Sid. They're snitches. It's brilliant. Why? This brilliant. Is, you see, this is a, a, we could compare it. Israel, the United States, everything. They're, they're so into technology. You know, oh, we're going to see it with satellites, with drones. You know, we're going to tap phones. No, 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 no. 
Human boots on the ground, human intelligence, good old-fashioned snitches. It's how cops used to solve cases. It's the way our national security agency would procure information. We're not doing what Dick Cheney did in Gitmo and waterboard them to get information. <laughs> We're doing it with good old American dollars. Israel's got to do something like that. I doubt American dollars, but if they're going to find out really... Uh, more about these tunnels outside of 85-year-old Lifshitz, who, thank God, is home. They have to kind of do the same thing, employ some Absolutely. similar tactics. Well, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'll be more than happy to lend my services. <laughs> eight, we've closed eight migrant centers out there. If you have any doubts that I know how to do this, this is what I do 24-7-365. Let me tell you the other thing. The mayor was in such a panic. He sent his number one aide to, uh, to camp, Timothy Pearson, who used to be a cop with him. He's like his right-hand man. They knocked him out. They wouldn't even let him into the Toro College. They be- beat him up. There's, there was a female guard there. She was, like, bigger than Timothy. And then the police bum-rushed the place from Midtown South. It's out of control. Sit. The mayor has no idea what's going on in these migrant centers. He never goes there. When's the last time you saw the mayor at a migrant center? I, I don't I don't remember. I, he I has no idea what's going on. Hey, <laughs> guess what, City Hall? Just like I have rats at City Hall that feed me information because they're leaving a sinking ship, I've got illegal alien rats who, for the money, for the love of money, are giving us information, are giving us photos, are giving us video, and are assisting... Uh, <clears throat> Ex-cops and FDIN members who have been hired on as fire wardens by the city of New York. You idiots. <laughs> now, tonight, yes. with the thrill of another victory, we go into Rockaway at the um, Knights of Columbus Hall to clean up the mess that the politicians have left because there are so many questions of... What is your plan to shut down Floyd Bennett Field? You talk about lawsuits. You take, you had some people screaming outside yesterday, maybe a dozen people outside of Floyd Bennett Field. Sid, when we did rallies, we had thousands. Yes. Thousands. Yes, so we did two rallies. There was one that was not ours, that had less people. That was the politician one, Jamie Williams. Oh, my God. That was in the parking lot of Toys R Us on Flatbush Avenue. But our two rallies, yours really, in Floyd Bennett Field, Yes, we got thousands of people. And thousands. Remember, what did I say? I didn't want any politician speaking, but you got soft. You said, oh, uh, we'll let Jamie Williams do well, no, women she speak. spoke at the first one. The second one, and part of that was your fault because you had to sit in studio with John Katzmatidis at 5 o'clock. You showed up an hour late, so I did allow people like uh, Paul King, Thomas Sullivan. Yeah, but they're part but these of the are rebels. great American heroes. They're, they're the rebels. Yes. And tonight this is a rebel meeting. We're calling out all the elected officials to bring your cards. Show your cards on the table. You claim you have lawsuits. You claim you're doing this, that. You're scratching this. Back on May 19th on this very show, I announced to the world, this is the most powerful radio station in the nation. You are the most listened to. Hey, Marconi Awards, as far as I am concerned, it's like Ranzoni, Sonobloni, Macaroni Awards. <laughs> How you not have Sid Rosenberg nominated? You uh, mentioned a whole list of people. Now, I know talk radio. I've been all over the country. These people, uh, people have no consequence. I never heard of them. What do they do? Community college radio at Kingsborough? I don't know. But anyway, the point being is, Thank you for that, on man. this very station, I announced. Remember, Floyd Benefield is going to have the the illegal aliens in tents. Oh, you're a liar! You're making this. This happens everywhere. I'm so used to it. I'm immune. 
And did I take offense to it? Yes, I did. Of course I took offense to it. <laughs> but I came with a plan. And now all of a sudden, everybody's running around like chickens without a head. Wait, everybody needs to stay in their lane. Politicians do what you do, which is add to global warming climate change by spewing hot air. Lawyers go in, but you got to be good lawyers like Joe Murray, who you had side by side, who came to our rally in Bay Ridge, who said, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm waiting, you know, in the on-deck circle. And then you got to have rebels. If you don't have rebels, this doesn't work. You got to have hundreds, thousands of people. You don't have a dozen altacacas, you know, waving an American flag, thinking you're going to stop three tenths at 7,500 single able-bodied young men with nothing to do with military age who are going to be bust in there. And let me tell you something. This was Eric Adams from day one. Remember how all the politicians, oh, it's not Eric Adams, it's Hochul, it's Biden. Biden doesn't even know what he's eating uh, this morning for oatmeal. He's going to know what the hell is, where Floyd Benefield is? The blame goes to Eric Adams, and now I gotta try to clean up the mess. I gotta try to clean up this mess well, and try to figure got, out what's being done. You gotta try to clean up the mess. You've had, uh, again, unprecedented, amazing success. Shutting down Migrant Center number eight last night. You have had your fingerprints on every one of them. Now we know the issues with Floyd Benefield. It started with Anthony Weiner telling us, hey, that's federal government yes. property, but they can get around that. Then you get to the flood issue. It doesn't seem like they can get around that. That seems to me something that could really make this thing get in the water. So when you combine that with you and the rebels and hopefully some local politicians who pay attention to you, it seems to me like at least on paper this could easily be win number nine. Do you feel that way? This will be the hardest because, yeah, the politicians have clogged up our arteries. We're going to have to get a few stents put in tonight. (laughs) 7 p.m. tonight, Rockaway Knights of Columbus Hall. Oh, that's you, 333 Beach 90th Street, 7 want, o'clock. Talking about the local politicians, yes. do you want Joanne Ariola to be I there? I want them all to be you there. You want them all to be there? Uh, Even Stacey Amato? Uh, the Congress people who, uh, where are they? Where are well, they? This I, is I, a federal I, I, situation. I, I, I don't think Stacey Amato should be there. I, look, because she lost to I, Tom Sullivan. I know, but I want them to explain, what are you doing? I don't understand what they're doing, and I'm the pro at this, right? I've closed eight migrant centers, and they still say, he doesn't know what he's doing. No, 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 he's a lightweight. I'm on the number one radio station in America with the number one talk show host in the morning. I'm giving out information, and you know I have the agreement with uh, John Katzmatidis. If you're wrong one time, you're gone. <laughs> right? Well, I'm not sure that's I mean, the case. No, no, no. He's told me straight up. Wait, so if you're right 99% of the time, one time, John If I'm wrong, you? you're gone. Yeah, we haven't been wrong yet. And that's why it's high noon every day. <laughs> so is. I'm coming in. I'm going to listen to everybody with everybody. We all have a right to know what our elected officials are doing and lawyers. I got to tell you, I have vertical. I listened to Joanne Areola tell me, oh, we're in court. We're doing this. We got 12 altacacas. We're doing 24-hour protests. 24-hour protests outside of Floyd Bennett Field. What are you out of your mind? Well, she's not involved in that. She, she, she has oh, no, no, been. She is. Well, she called me last week and said, look, we, we, we had a win. You could explain this. The federal court yeah, kicked yeah, it yeah. back, so that's not a lawyer. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to hear from the lawyer. I said, well, she's not a lawyer. No, I'm I not a that. lawyer. You're not. <laughs> Have John Chiampoli up there explain to the people how he had a victory in court, because I can't figure out. If you go to federal court, how you end up back in state Supreme court? I'm, I have vertical. I need an explanation. So you want John G. and Polly there tonight too? Damn 
damn right he damn better get his butt there. Right. And Did if you... he can't get a paralegal, I don't care. The guy who carries his legal briefs, somebody to explain this. But I couldn't believe yesterday you were telling me, oh, a Mike Lawler congressman is suspended. That's it. You know, so I, I suspended Mike Lawler, and he sent me a text, and he said, why would you suspend me? I was making fun of Jabal Moment. I said, Mike, 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 no, you no. were sitting there on an airplane smiling. He goes, Sid, it was a moment of levity. I said, Mike, you do understand that most Americans right now, between what's going on in Israel and, quite frankly, what you and your friends have done to the House, the Republican House, we are not in the mood for no. laughs. And by the way. Then he apologized and said, let me come on oh, and yeah. fix the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bend over, baby. And there'll be no soap on the rope for you, Mike Lawler. <laughs> he's sitting there with a member of the DSA. Do you realize he's the only male member, Jamal Bowman? He probably had to submit to castration. You know, he's like a capon, a gelding. There's AOC, there's Ilhan Omar, there's Ayanna Presley, there's Cory Bush, there's Rashida Tlaib, and you're sitting next to this guy who hates Israel, hates Jews, and he's making a victory sign like, yo, suckers, I got this cracker. What an idiot Mike Lawler is. And who put it on his own Twitter? Mike, Mike Lawler. I, I, I just don't get it either. So he has one chance to set the record straight coming up in about 15 minutes. And what I'm going to do is, listen to me carefully, what I'm going to do is, after the conversation is over, because I'm respectful, you know me, I'm going to come back to you. And you, Curtis Sliwa, are going to make the ultimate decision as to whether or not Mike Lawler remains a friend of the show or or we throw him out like the migrants in eight different centers. Remember that famous <laughs> scene at the end when Mel Gibson is on the gurney right? Remember in Braveheart when they're all of a sudden yeah. impaling him? Hey, Mike, that's what's happening. And by the way, Sid, I got a little more information why the cops were battling the Palestinian supporters of Hamas, including Jews for Hamas, Jews for justice, and Jews for Palestinians. They didn't want on Saturday night for those demonstrators who were fighting the cops to make their way to 3rd Avenue because... The salty dog is there, the poorhouse, the three jolly pigeons. The Irish would have beat the hell out of them with American flags flying high in the sky. You can do that on Fifth Avenue, but let me tell you something. You come into the heart of Bay Ridge where patriotism lives, where they had the Blue Lives Matter rallies that Justin Brandon was not at back in the summer of 2020. No, he was with Black Lives Matter and Antifa, that traitor. Stay the hell off of 3rd Avenue. The Irish are holding it down. Another one bust the dust. Another one bust the dust. Hey, hey. Another one bust the dust. Hey. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I, I kind of want to also just bring to the attention, like, I didn't really realize how bad things were in Israel and uh, just wanted to bring to attention, um, you know, for those who don't necessarily understand things that are going on, um, that it, it really is bad. And if you don't understand, if you go on Google, you look, you search, and, and you read about what's going on in this world, um, this world needs prayer. Um, 
you know, we, we I don't know what we've come to, but, uh, you know, just my thoughts, my prayers are, are out with uh, those people in Israel. Um, you know, I know there's uh, the Ukraine and, and Russia war still going on as well, and I just wanted to, to bring notice that uh, although we have the freedom to do this here, play football, and, and uh, be able to have the freedom to do these things that, uh, you know, to come back into reality and think, you know, that's, that's, what, that's where we all are here in this world. And so I uh, just want to bring that to the attention and, uh, you know, hopefully we, we all come together and can, can pray, pray for the, the kids, the children, the, the wives, or the, the women, um, you know, and the men that are putting themselves out there, you know, uh, every day. For, for those those unfortunate events that are happening right now. Believe it or not, folks, that happens to be the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, Tua Tagliova. Tua speaking um, after his Dolphins lost 31-17 to the Eagles on Sunday night, the fourth of five and two, but. Tua, you heard him there talking about the Israelis and the Ukraine-Russia war. and He did not mention Palestinians. Did you notice that? He did not offer any real sympathy for the Palestinians. No, I really love him. The quarterback of the Dolphins, Tua. Dolphins are 5-2. and two. And that brings up another football story. You know, the Dolphins are 5-2. and two, And they're going to play the New England Patriots coming up on Sunday. The Patriots are now 2-5. and five. They had a very improbable and unlikely win over the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. 29-25 to improve to 2-5. and five. But it was a huge win, huge win for Belichick. Believe it or not, with that win over Buffalo on Sunday, Bill Belichick became just the third coach ever to record at least 300 wins. Don Shula is at 324, former great Colton Dalpin coach. George Hallis, Chicago Bears, 318. And then Bill Belichick, now just the third man to get his 300th win. And they asked Bill, who's not a guy for a lot of words. (laughs) He's Joe personality, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, I thought it was uh, close to that number. He didn't even go that far. He didn't even go that far. What's your name again? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's uh, football, so that's exactly, they do the numbers. Didn't even go that far. So they asked Bill after the win what it meant to get win number 300, and here he is. The great Bill Belichick. Bill, what is your reaction uh, to becoming the third head coach with 300 wins behind uh, Don Shula and George Hallis? Um, I mean, it's great. I'm really more focused on, you know, our team in this year and worry about that later. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Clearly loving it. Uh, Big 300. There's no one's better than that guy as a coach. He's great. Oh, my God. But I did, uh, I did want to play this audio again because you've got so many great guests coming on today, and I'm not sure how much audio I can play. And it's, it's the most terrifying piece of audio I've heard in a long time. Going back to what Tua was talking about, pray for the Israelis and how horrible things are, and we know again that two more hostages were let go yesterday. 
That's four hostages. They've been letting out two hostages a week. So if you do the math, it'll take over 100 weeks to get the rest of these hostages. In other words, not nearly good enough. And the two ladies they sent home yesterday, God bless them, one is 85 and one is 79. And we know that Hamas has a bunch of 15, 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old girls. And, uh, wow, what a shocker. They haven't sent those girls home yet. And if you're wondering why, you're about to hear why. And I'm going to warn you, folks, if you're a father, like I am, with a 19-year-old daughter or a mother, this is about as scary and disturbing as any audio you're about to hear. This man was an IDF Special Force member. Name is Nimrod. He was on the ground. He saw exactly what Hamas did. And this is why the 85-year-old came home yesterday and not the 19-year-old. Lewis, cut number 16. I rushed from my home as a civilian, understanding that civilians, innocent civilians, babies, kids, mothers, elderly are being actually slaughtered. What I just heard, everything is accurate. I've seen with my own eyes dozens of bodies lay down in the, in the roads, in the highways. Hamas ISIS terrorists took their time to kill innocent civilians, to uh, uh, dismember their bodies, raping in the roads. I'm not talking even inside the communities yet. And whatever just got mentioned here, I've seen with my own eyes few of these safety bomb shelters in the roads where innocent civilians got in to find shelter. When Hamas came, they did a selection. They took women out and said, this one is for rape. This one will stay in the, in the safe shelter. And after that, threw grenades inside, killing everyone. That's what I've seen with my own eyes. This one is for rape, the young girls, and threw grenades into killing the rest. 85-year-old woman, very, very sick. You get to go home. 19-year-old girl, just imagine her day today. Alyssa Milano, as you ask for a ceasefire. Rashida Tlaib, as you ask for a ceasefire. Sickening. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Forty-six, 
on your Tuesday morning. So, everyone knows I'm um, friendly with Mike Lawler. Mike, of course, out of Rockland County. He's been on this show a million times. And he's good. You know, he's a good politician, and he's very good on the radio. I can't stand what he did and the rest of these House Republicans. I don't care what he says. They have really effed things up, all of them, starting with Matt Gates and Nancy Mace by getting rid of McCarthy. And then if McCarthy's out, just vote for Jim Jordan. That's it. So instead now, three weeks later, we got nothing. We got a complete mess. And I feel very strongly that all of these folks, all my friends, especially Nancy and Mike, really effed up and are being very, very selfish, very selfish. But I can live with that. I can live with that. What I can't live with is seeing a picture with Jamal Bowman, who is no different than Ayanna Presley, AOC, Rashida Talib, Elon Omar, all these BDS folks, these hateful Americans who hate Jews, sitting on a plane together smiling. Now, Lawler's going to try to explain that away, and he deserves that opportunity. But no matter what he says, that was a huge mistake. I wouldn't even sit next to Bowman in the first place, let alone take a picture and put it on my social media. Jamal Bowman is a racist scumbag. That's all he is. And I got news from Mike. People these days, between Israel, the illegal crisis here in New York, and what the House Republicans are doing, they're not laughing a lot these days. Not a lot of smiles. And if Mike thought that a picture of him and Bowman was going to make people laugh, he is seriously mistaken. With all that said, here he is, Mike Lawler. Mike, good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, Sid. I appreciate you letting me come on. Uh, I certainly understand the frustration. Nobody's been more frustrated over the past few weeks uh, than I have down in Washington. Uh, This has been an unmitigated disaster. Uh, It will go down as the single stupidest political move ever made to remove the Speaker of the House in the middle of a term without cause. Uh, And obviously, it's been very frustrating within the conference uh, to try and come to consensus uh, and pick a new Speaker. And, you know, I had no problem with Jim. Uh, Jim and I spoke many times directly about it uh, and where things were. Uh, Unfortunately, there was not going to be consensus because the removal of McCarthy, the blocking of Scalise, uh, created such deep division within the conference uh, that nobody was going to get there. And we still find ourselves in the same spot. And so when I went home on Friday after another disastrous week, uh, I was sitting on my plane uh, to Westchester, and a Bowman comes up the aisle and says, I'm sitting next to you. And I go, you got to be kidding me. And he sits down, and I said, well, it's a good thing we're not in an exit row, so you can't pull the alarm on us. And, uh, you know, he laughed. And so I I snapped the photo, and I uploaded it to Twitter to roast him. You know, Jamal and I don't exactly see eye to eye on anything. Uh, And I have been one of the staunchest critics of the squad, including last week, in a House Foreign Affairs Committee hearing, Uh, On Iran, where my bill, the SHIP Act, which would increase sanctions on Iranian petroleum, uh, passed overwhelmingly with a few Democrats voting against it uh, because they don't think there should be sanctions on Iran. Uh, But I absolutely eviscerated Rashida Tlaib, 
for her false and vile claims that Israel bombed the hospital. Not only did she make those claims, she then repeated it despite the White House coming out and denying it. She repeated it at a protest at the Capitol in support of Hamas. These people are out of their minds insane. And I have been one of the strongest critics of every member of the squad for their vile anti-Semitism, for the work that they have done promulgating these lies about Israel. Um, but, you know, when I sat down with him, next to, sitting next to me on the plane, first of all, it wasn't by choice. But second of all, you know, this is a guy who three weeks ago was under the spotlight because he pulled a fire alarm while we were voting to keep the government open. And the reason that's out of the news and went away is because Matt Gates burned the house to the ground by removing McCarthy. And so, you know, yeah, but, 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 yeah, he, listen, he did burn the house to the ground by removing McCarthy. But then you guys had an opportunity to put in a very, very good man in Jim Jordan. I like McCarthy. I, I don't even talk to Nancy Mace anymore because of that. But given the opportunity to put in a good man, two wrongs don't make a right. You don't all of a sudden go, well, I'm not going to vote for Jordan because I miss McCarthy. So you guys did exactly the same thing. You did exactly the same thing. Exactly. Sid, with, all, with all due respect, it's not. And here's, it here's is. No, it is. No, it is. It is. It here's, is. Here's the, here's the problem. You have a conference of 221 people. It is not about the speaker. It is about being able to get to 218 votes to pass legislation. And what Matt Gates and seven others did was team up with Rashida Tlaib, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Jamal Bowman to remove McCarthy. They needed 208 Democrats to team up with them to remove the Republican speaker. And so now what you have is a situation within the conference where people are so pissed off, so dug in. Oh, grow up. God, who no, cares? Hey, listen, this, grow up. Who this, cares? Yeah, but here's the problem. Jeez. you got to get to 217 votes on oh, the floor okay, to elect okay. the speaker. Right. And if we don't get if we don't get that consensus within the conference, no. we're going to be in a really sh terrible spot uh, going forward. This has been a three week disaster that never should have happened. The American people don't care about our internal bickering. Correct. They care about dealing with the border. They care about reining in the spending. They care about supporting Israel. That's right. They care about taking on China. So, Mike, so, Mike, so I agree with the, the beginning of your statement. Matt Gates and Mace and all them, they blew it up, and, and they should be ashamed of themselves. And like I said, I haven't talked to Nancy May since. But then, given the opportunity to put in a good man in Jim Jordan, you guys continue the same nonsense, no matter what you say. Just vote him in. He's a good man. He's a Republican. He's got the same values you have. So you and I know Esposito was worried about salt tax on Long Island and and all these guys. You did the same exact thing. Look to me, this, this is bigger than the speaker. You have to be able to build consensus within the conference. We can elect the speaker and then be in the exact same place when it comes to passing our appropriations bills because people are unwilling to work as a team. If you can't deal with that fundamental issue, it doesn't matter who the speaker is. And Listen, that, is, that, that may is all be true. That may all be true, Mike, but that's very inside baseball. What you have to understand is, okay, you got to look at it from the average guy on the street. You and I talk about this stuff ad nauseum all day. The average guy on the street goes, look at these jerk-offs. Israel's on fire. There's illegals running in the streets, and they can't pick a guy. 
And these are the people in the street, Mike, that vote for you and put you back in office, not the guys you're bickering with inside I, I that chamber. With, I agree with I agree with you a thousand percent. But this is this is where and I said to Jim, you want to you want to get there. You got to get Matt Gates and company in a room with all the swing district members, with all the people who were Scalise supporters that were pissed off about what happened to Scalise. Get them in a room, hash it out and get the votes. And he never did it. He never put everybody in the room, which I asked him four times, put them in the room and get the votes. This isn't about holding out for some stupid piece of legislation. This is about being able to govern. And if you can't govern, we don't deserve the majority. And that's and that's the pathetic thing of of what has happened here. The American people put us in charge in the House for a reason. Joe Biden has been an unmitigated disaster on the economy, on the border, on foreign policy. The world is burning. There's no question about that. You look at Ukraine, you look at Israel, you look at the disastrous withdrawal in Afghanistan, you look at what China is doing uh, across the globe, uh, and we're sitting here playing twiddly-dinks. I mean, it's a complete joke, and nobody has been more frustrated than I have. And, you know, when I tweeted out the photo of Jamal Bowman, believe me, it ain't because I'm friends with Jamal Bowman. Uh, Sometimes you got to use a little levity. Maybe I'm not as funny as you, but, you know, the the challenge, uh, believe me, nobody has been more pissed off about what has been going on in Washington uh, than I have. And nobody's been a stronger defender of Israel. No, no, listen, Uh, listen, all all this is true. Listen, I love you. You're a good man. We became friendly because everything you just said is true. I think you're great. Okay, but you got to you got to think for a second outside the box. Okay, again, going back to the guy in the street who's sick of you guys fighting in the chamber. That guy in the street doesn't know the exact relationship between you and Bowman. They see a picture of you two smiling on an airplane about to land in Westchester, and they go, hold on a second. He's friends with him? I mean, at the very least, at least admit to me right now that in a feeble attempt at humor, given the chance to do that all over again, you would never do that. That was a major mistake. Well, I certainly wouldn't smile in the photo. But, you know, look, I, I understand it, but it's when you're in, when you're in a legislative body, all right. You, you have to you have to be able to deal with your colleagues. You don't have to like them. You don't have to be friends with them. You don't have to agree with them, but you do have to deal with each other. Guy sits down next to me. I'm not going to tell him, "Hey, go fuck off." Oh, you, you can't know, say I, that. Dump that little quick, quick. <laughs> yeah, I like that, but go ahead. <laughs> the internet, the internet audience heard that just now. That's pretty cool. Go ahead, go ahead. But, but, you know, you got to deal with each other. And, and Jamal and I share Westchester. We split it half and half. I, I have been extremely critical of him and extremely cl- critical of how he has treated his Jewish constituents. There's a reason. I mean, I, I get so many of his constituents who reach out for help uh, because they don't want to go to him. I mean, this is a guy who shut down his office in August for two weeks literally shut down every every office in Washington and in the district and told everybody, call your U.S. senator for help. We're off for two weeks. I can't imagine possibly shutting down your office. Uh, you're, you're paid to serve your constituents. You're there to work. Uh, but that's him. Uh, that's not me. Uh, and, you know, obviously, like I said, I guess poor attempt at humor. But, um, you know, you, we are in a precarious situation in this country right now. Uh, we need adults. We need people who are willing to do the work. Uh, I am willing to do that work. 
Uh, that's why I, I work seven days a week. I have an 18-month-old daughter who, you know, I, I don't get to see as much as I would like because this is serious, important work that we're doing. Uh, and unfortunately, it's been derailed uh, by a handful of members uh, who wanted to put their, their personal petty grievances above the conference, above the party, uh, and have created just a, a total mess yep. within. Right. And you're one of them. I love you. Um, so stop it. <laughs> stop. I'm telling you to stop. I, I'm, and I'm doing this for you, Mike. doesn't matter to me. I'm doing this for you because I got to tell you, I got a ton of friends and they're not the brightest bulbs on the trees. Those are the guys that are watching the Dolphins and the Bills on Sunday. But they vote. And they go, hey, what's up with your friend taking pictures with Bowman? Hey, why is your friend acting like a bitch like Gates and Mace did? That's all they see. They don't know the ins and outs and, and they need 218 votes. So when I tell you all this, I'm, t- I'm trying to help you. You are no, not helping yourself. You're not helping it. yourself. You understand that? Listen, I get it. We we have to get back to work. We have to elect a speaker, and we got to move forward. Uh, this is this has been a disastrous. Well, three well, weeks. Where are we now with that? What's what's going? Is Patrick McHenry going to jump in? Do you have somebody else? This guy Emmer. Where are we with that exactly? There's there's eight uh, folks that have put their name forward. One dropped out last night, so there's eight folks left. We're having a vote at nine o'clock this morning, uh, and we will see who comes out of it. I'm hopeful whoever comes out of it that everybody puts aside their their personal views and gets gets this person elected on the floor today so that we can get back to work because this is this has been a ridiculous three weeks uh, that we've squandered uh, not being able to do our appropriations work, not being able to fight to get the border secured, and obviously not passing aid to Israel. Listen, uh, good luck today. And uh, the suspension has been lifted. You're back on the show. And, um, right. you know, I, I know you're a good guy. you got a great heart. You're smart. You're smarter than most of the guys in that chamber, if not all of them. Just uh, appeal to your, your, the people that you work with in their friends and foes that they need to get this done. And they need to get it done now. Okay, pal? I appreciate it. I'll, le- I'll leave you with one thing. When, I, uh, when we were boarding the plane, Sean Patrick Maloney was actually getting on the plane, too. Uh, so it was an interesting ride home. But I, uh, I I went up to him and I said, "Hey, do you want your old job back?" And he, and he just looked at me. He was like, "No, I'm going to Paris." He's That's right. Okay. He's right. Not an easy job, Mike Lauder, but you do it well. So good luck uh, later on today. Thank you for calling in. We'll talk again very soon. All right. Thanks, Ed. All right, pal. Take care, Mike Lawler, out of Rockland County, and they got some work to do. And that wraps up the first two hours. of I got a lot of bowls, I know. Who the hell am I yelling at people? I'm yelling at politicians lately. You do this, you do that. Well, he doesn't look, I mean, honestly, he doesn't, they don't look much better over there. No, I know. No. I'm actually giving him some really sound advice coming from a layperson. That's, that's why this show has appeal, because I'm not Sean Hannity. I'm not Rush Limbaugh. I'm not some political talking head. I'm a guy. I'm a guy. You got a guy? Yeah, I'm a guy. But I make sense. Common sense. John Katsimatidis talks about common sense. No one has more common sense than us. Sitting friends in the morning. Hour three coming up.
entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Springsteen classic Backstreet. So there's a, a group, they're named um, Neely, and they're a bunch of um, special op Israeli guys, and their only job, you ready for this? Their only job is to kill every scumbag from Hamas who was involved October the 7th. You know, I listen every day to all these celebrities, lowlifes, Yelling and screaming for ceasefires. And the politicians, we know this squad. They're a bunch of horrible people. AOC and Rashida Tlaib, Elon Omar, Ayanna Presley, the aforementioned Jamal Bowman. These are just the dregs of humanity, the dregs. And these celebrities who have made millions and millions of dollars and live these glamorous lives here in America, who don't really love this country and certainly hate the Jews. And Megyn Kelly Talked about one in particular yesterday. You know, I was a little tough on Tony Danza a couple of weeks ago because he's phony. He's nice one day, he's not so nice the next. But he loves his little girl, Alyssa Milano, from Who's the Boss, who's turned out to be one of the most repugnant people in Hollywood. One of the most repugnant. And Megyn Kelly mentioned her just yesterday. What does Alyssa Milano think? So Alyssa Milano, John Stewart, Wanda Sykes, Joaquin Phoenix... Sandra O, oh, Kate Blanchett, Rosario Dawson, Margaret Cho, Jessica Chastain, Channing Tatum, uh, a bunch of other people I never heard of, signed a letter demanding a ceasefire right now. Because I'm sure Alyssa Milano is very versed in Mitty's policy, and she really wants a ceasefire this instant. Forgetting about being well versed for a second. Nice job, Megan. I like when you name names. I love that. But as a father of a 19-year-old beautiful daughter, Ava, none of these people are parents, right? AOC is not a parent. Talib is not a parent. Omar is not a parent. I, I don't know if Alyssa Milano is. but Maybe if they heard this piece of audio, which I played already twice this morning, 
which I'm going to play again right now before Alan Dershowitz hops on, where you've got this IDF special force member from Israel who was there and saw what Hamas did. He talks specifically about what these Hamas animals did to the young Israeli girls. And I want people to listen to this. If you're out there right now and you think that the Palestinians deserve a chance, you know, take a listen to this lady Lifshitz, 85-year-old lady, hostage, came home yesterday. She said, when they took me back into Gaza as a hostage on the motorbike, civilians, yes, all those people you're so worried about, civilians were punching me and smacking me and throwing things at me and cheering, civilians. Same ones who give the kids candy to dance in the streets while they teach their second graders to kill the Jews. So stop telling me about all these innocent, wonderful Palestinians who may die. I don't know if that's the case. But I know this. If you've got a child, specifically a daughter, and she's a hostage right now, you would not be asking for a ceasefire. I can promise you that. I can. Pro- well, maybe because you want them to let the hostages go. So you're thinking, hey, ceasefire, maybe they'll let my daughter go. But if you're worried about these people and how many survive, you may not be after you hear this. Lewis, this is cut number 16. I rushed from my home as a civilian, understanding that civilians, innocent civilians, babies, kids, mothers, elderly are being actually slaughtered. What I just heard, everything is accurate. I've seen with my own eyes dozens of bodies lay down in the in the roads, in the highways. Hamas ISIS terrorists took their time to kill innocent civilians, to uh, uh, dismember their bodies, raping in the roads. I'm not talking even inside raping the in communities the roads. yet. And whatever just got mentioned here, I've seen with my own eyes, few of these safety bomb shelters in the roads where innocent civilians got in to find shelter. When Hamas came, they did a selection. They took women out and said, this one is for rape. This one will stay in the, in the safe shelter. And after that, threw grenades inside, killing everyone. That's what I've seen with my own eyes. Alyssa Milano, does she have a daughter? This one is for rape. And they took those girls out, and they've had them now for the pe- better part of 17 days in some tunnels somewhere. A bunch of them, because I've seen the posters of 18, 19-year-old girls. This one is for rape. And you're worried about how the Israelis treat the Palestinians. Thank God it's not your kid. That's all I can say. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. But, man, it's real easy. To say all that when you're sitting in your nice little house on the beach in California, when some Israeli's mother's daughter is being raped by 20, 30, 40, 50 guys a day. A day, Alyssa Milano, you dumb. Channing Tatum, Joaquin Phoenix. But then there's a guy like John Voigt. John Voigt won the Academy Award for his brilliant role in the great movie Coming Home. John Voight most recently was terrific alongside Liv Schreiber in the great show Ray Donovan. And John Voight sat down and wrote a letter to Israel. 
And it was beautiful. The complete antithesis of these other celebrities. So we'll get to Alan Dershowitz and close out this segment with a message from my friend and Academy Award-winning actor John Voight Lewis, cut number 18. Israel, I love you. Israel will stand tall for the land of its sacred soil. These sick-minded beings have been evil since birth. They're trained to destroy. God's power, along with the Israeli army, will end this destruction and the power of this evil. It will be destroyed once and for all so the Jewish people can be in peace, live in safety, to live life. L'chaim. Let me assure you by the almighty power of God and the power of Moses, who once stood in the time of evil forces, that this is the Holocaust. It's the horror that was witnessed by the Jews of Auschwitz. And I have come now to warn the evil ones that God will show truths again. He shall win this war for his people as when Moses was able to lift the Red Sea. He shall rid this vermin once and for all. And for all, we the people shall stand and fight this battle for our loved ones, lost and living. And we must remember, God shall light the candle for all the children of God, the Ten Commandments, the laws of life, the truths of justice, the memory of this Hamas Holocaust will haunt all, but we shall heal. We shall make sure this will never happen again. In the name of Moses, I declare justice for all. The world is mourning with you, Israel, and the USA stands with you. And as Moses says, let our people go. Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. You know what occurred to me this morning when Arthur Idala was on yesterday talking about his client Rudy Giuliani and Trump in Georgia. Trump's back in court today, but the big face-off with um, that scumbag Cohen. It occurred to me that I've been paying almost no attention to anything else but Israel. Anything else. I didn't watch one Texas Ranger victory. They're on the way back to their third World Series, first in 12 years. I'm not going to watch Game 7 tonight, Phillies and Diamondbacks. I think I watched a total of five minutes of the Giants and Commanders on Sunday. I'm not paying attention to my friend Donald Trump. I am just Israel all day, all the time. And the stories are horrific. Like I said, Danielle said to me on Sunday, you look tired. You're damn right I'm tired. Above and beyond getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and talking for four hours. How many hosts in this city talk for four hours with the energy that I do? The content is brutal. It's brutal. And to walk around my own city with 5,000 people in Bay Ridge who hate the Jews and all these college campuses, 
It's been a really depressing 16 days. Sorry, folks. Very depressing. It's not getting better because they sent home two hostages. God bless those people. Terrific. Guess what? They're 80. They're 85. Their husbands are still there. We're the 18-year-old girls. What are they going through today? You don't want to know. You don't want to know. My next guest, uh, it'll be harder to find a more pro-Israel person than him. He's a brilliant attorney, the best ever constitutional attorney. And he's my dear friend, Alan Dershowitz. Alan, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning. You know, things haven't changed in the last 80 years. Uh, 80 years ago, uh, in the 1930s, Nazis marched in my neighborhood. I live in Sutton Place, down York Street to Madison Square Garden, supporting Hitler. At Harvard in the 1930s, President Conan welcomed Nazis from a boat with a swastika on it that landed in Boston, in Boston Harbor. They sent a delegation to a university to celebrate it after it had fired all the Jews from the faculty. And now these Nazis at Harvard and in New York and in Brooklyn, these Nazis, they're the same people. They want to destroy the Jews. They want to end the Jews. Oh, they have an excuse. They have a reason. Yeah, yeah, occupation. The Nazis had a reason, too. Jews were too influential. They had too much money. They had too much this. They had too much that. A Nazi is a Nazi. Whether they're at New York University, a woman who is the head of the Student Bar Association, who's now being supported by the, I'm told, by the majority of the students, or at least a lot of the students, this is our future, ladies and gentlemen. These are the kids who today are Nazi-supporting kids who in 10 years, 20 years, will be in Congress, will be in the editorial board of the New York Times. Some already are. And in other places, influencing our life. So this is not only about Israel. This is about the future of America, and it's a dark future. Yeah, it really is. I don't know um, how things get better. I mean, I, you're probably not going to want to hear this. The only way I could see it getting any better is when my friend Trump, if he wins again in 2024, and I don't even know if we've got that time. I mean, I don't know if we have a year and a half before everything completely falls apart. But to me, that's the only hope I've got right now is that Trump actually wins. That's it. Remember that it took a total victory by the United States over Germany and Japan, a total victory including seizures of cities, bombing civilians. I'm not suggesting that be done. But the United States lecturing Israel after they dropped two atomic bombs and firebombed Dresden and firebombed Churchill and Roosevelt both said total victory, total surrender. You know what then happened? Within a couple of years, the German people loved America. The Japanese people loved America. They became our strongest allies. So there's no substitute for total victory, which is what Israel not only is entitled to do under international law, but should do in order to secure peace. And Americans should support that total uh, victory. And obviously Israel will continue to be the most moral army in the world and take incredible precautions, warning people before they bomb anything. It doesn't matter. The Islamic Jihad bombs a hospital and it gets blamed on Israel and the students at Harvard believe it, and the students at NYU believe it, and the kids in Brooklyn believe it, even though all the evidence, every single piece of evidence points to Islamic Jihad and Hamas that hires the, hides the missile residue, because they know that the missile residue belonged to Islamic Jihad, so they hide it, and they now say, oh, 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 it disintegrated. No, no, no. 
Uh, bomb residue doesn't disintegrate. Large pieces of metal remain, and they can be identified. This is another blood libel, like used to happen in the 15th century. They used to say the Jews killed Christian kids, uh, used their blood to make matzahs, and everybody believed it. Today, people are saying Israel bombed the hospital in Gaza, killed 500 people, and people all over the world and at Harvard and at NYU and at New York University, uh, I'm sorry, at uh, CUNY uh, Law School, they believe it. They believe it, or at least they pretend to believe it. That's how bad the search for truth has become. It doesn't matter what Israel does. All that matters is what Israel is, the nation state of the Jewish people. And Americans today in growing numbers support the Hamas Charter. The Hamas Charter is not two-state solution. It's not the end of the occupation. It's the end of Israel and the end, ultimately, of the Jewish people. They don't believe it. They just want to believe it. I mean, they're not stupid. Some of these kids are some of the brightest kids in the country. But uh, they know know the truth, but but they know the truth, but they want to. they, they, They want a narrative which says the Jews are bad, so they accept it. Whether they believe it or not, they're going to continue that because they want to continue to hate the Jews, and they'll use any ammunition, even lies, to do it. And that's even scarier than being gullible or ignorant. What's even scarier than that is that among the people who want to kill the Jews and destroy the Jews are Jews, are Jews. You have these Jewish idiots called the Jewish Voice for Peace. It's not Jewish. It has no voice and it doesn't want peace. But it goes into the halls of Congress, just like the January 6th people went into the halls of Congress in order to blame everything on Israel. These are people who claim to be Jews speaking in the name of Jews. What happened in the Second World War? Gertrude Stein. A Jewish woman collaborated with the Gestapo. Her partner collaborated with the Gestapo. There were other Jews who collaborated with Nazi Germany. So, you know, don't expect that every single Jew even is going to do the right thing. Evil is evil, and it doesn't matter. And there are good Muslims. There are Muslims who support uh, Israel and oppose Hamas. Hamas is the worst thing that ever happened to the Islamic religion and the worst thing that ever happened to the Palestinian people. But it takes courage to say that. Um, I mean, if you're pro-Palestinian, you ought to be anti-Hamas. But these demonstrations are not pro-Palestinian. They're anti-Israel. They support Hamas. And they support what Hamas is doing to the Palestinian people. When Hamas went on the rampage and murdered, raped, beheaded, they knew the result was going to be the death of some Palestinian children. And they didn't care. They used them as human shields. They parade the brown, the dead bodies around. You know, I have a book coming out. It's called The War Against the Jews, How to Stop Hamas. I wrote it from the day this started. It took me 10 days. I'm finished. And in it, I talk about what Hamas itself calls the CNN strategy. You attack Israel. You wait for Israel to attack. You use babies as human shields. They'll kill. They'll be killed. You then parade the babies around to CNN. And CNN, oh, my God, look what a terrible thing. All these babies without knowing. It was Hamas who caused their death by using them as human shields. And CNN falls for it. So I don't call it the CNN strategy. I call it the dead baby strategy. That's what it is. Hamas is allowing its babies to die in order to show their bodies on television. It's that evil. It is that evil and worse. But I want to move now uh, back to the United States because, again, there is a bunch of legal stuff going on, Alan, and uh, I am not paying attention. I want to. Uh, today is the big face-off, the big one here in New York between Donald Trump and his former attorney confidant and buddy, 
Michael Cohen. What can we expect to come out of that in New York later on this morning? Well, Michael Cohen has, you know, taken taken the deal. And when you take a deal, usually or often, you not only sing, you compose. And you say what the government wants you to say because that's part of the deal. If you don't say what the government wants you to say, the government won't make the deal in the first place. So that's why smart jurors in New York have smart jurors, although a lot of them today are biased against Trump. But smart jurors don't believe testimony whether it be from Cohen or from the others in, in, in Georgia who have flipped. Flipped witnesses can't be believed unless they're corroborated. And, of course, in New York, if you're a co-conspirator, your testimony by law can't be used or believed unless it's corroborated. So, you know, we're going to see lots and lots of these confrontations between former friends, former associates of Trump, because the government has the power to turn almost anybody. What they do is they say to you, do you want to never see your kids again out of prison? Do you want to never see your grandchildren? Just become part of our team. Uh, join us, and you'll you'll get no prison time. But if you join the other side and you're convicted, you're going away for a long time. My God. Alan Dershowitz. I mean, that's brutal. Alan Dershowitz. And it seems like uh, Trump and uh, my colleague and good friend Rudy Giuliani also not having a very good week down in Georgia. Isn't that right? Look, again, what they've done in Georgia is they've come up with a crazy RICO indictment, which would never sustain, be sustained on appeal. But in the meantime, it's frightening. So you have Chesborough, you have uh, all these people who are flipping and becoming witnesses for the other side. But those witnesses' testimony have to be looked at very, very carefully. So, you know, how many people will be standing? There were 19 people indicted originally. Several of them have now taken the deal. And uh, we'll see what ultimately happens. But it's likely there'll be convictions of Trump, and then likely some of them will be reversed on appeal. But the reversals will happen after the election. So the convictions were designed to affect the election, influence the election, and the appeals will happen too late. It's a real weaponization and distortion of the American system of justice. And, you know, today it's Donald Trump. Tomorrow it could be you or your friends. Uh, if the criminal justice system can be distorted to achieve results that are not neutral or unbiased, then you know we've lost that system, and it's a great and important part of our system of checks and balances under the Constitution. I want to wrap up this great conversation, and you know how much I love you, Alan, and ordinarily we'd be joking around about Brooklyn and all these good things, yeah, but yeah. as I said, the last 16 days, not a lot of laughs, but... Um, you know, you're on record as a very fair guy. You wrote the book, Get Trump. You don't vote for Trump. Uh, you actually voted for Biden. But I'm going to tell you this, Mr. Dershowitz. As far as I'm concerned, Biden is complicit in the death of our people. He's the same guy that loosened every restriction for Iran. He's the same guy that never enforced any restrictions with Iran. He's the same guy that just a couple of weeks ago in a horrible hostage deal gave Iran $6 billion. And while he tried to deny Iran's involvement because he knew it would make his, make his administration look awful, he finally admitted to the nation last Thursday that Iran is involved, which in my opinion yeah. makes him complicit. Are you still a guy that A, will vote for Biden or remain a Democrat, they are destroying this country. Look, I have to tell you, Biden did a good job going to Israel, making a strong statement of support for Israel. Tom Friedman wrote recently, and he's been a disgrace to uh, to American journalism with his one-sidedness. 
He said Biden may be the last pro-Israel Democratic president we will ever get. Uh, but he is pro-Israel, and he did make good statements for Israel. He also made serious mistakes about Iran. A lot of those mistakes were caused by his former boss, uh, Barack Obama, who was insistent on making that deal, and John Kerry, who was insistent on making the deal. But Biden himself, I think, uh, has been a strong supporter of Israel. Look, I'm going to see who runs. Nikki Haley runs. Uh, that can change things. She is uh, a, a terrific, a terrific candidate. Uh, and if Trump is smart, he'll he'll make her his vice uh, president. And then a lot of the issue in the campaign will be not who the next president will be, but who the president after that will be. Do you want Kamala Harris or do you want Nikki Haley? And the the usually vice presidents don't have a lot of influence on the outcome of an election. But one of the pre- when both presidents are octogenarians, uh, then the issue of who the next president will be afterward will be important. So let's see if Trump is smart enough to pick Nikki Haley. Last 30 seconds, do you want to see Israel annihilate Gaza, Take basically take Gaza off the map, even if it means innocent Palestinians dying? I want to see Hamas taken off the map. Um, I want to see, and, 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 and if innocent people die by Israel using proportionality, then the fault lies with the Hamas, who uses them as human shields, the same way the fault lay with Germany and Japan for starting wars with the United States. So I want to see Hamas taken off the map. I want to see Gaza under the control of a decent, maybe democratically elected leadership, because the worst thing that's ever happened to the people of Gaza is Hamas. And I would hope the people of Gaza would be smart enough to recognize to get rid of Hamas, turn Gaza into Singapore and the Mediterranean. It could be a beautiful place. Remember, Israel left in 2005, and everything since then is the fault of Hamas. So no Hamas in Gaza. Let's see if Gaza can be turned into a peaceful area. I have my doubts, but we have to try it. We have to try to reduce the number of civilian casualties. Alan, I love you. You know that, right? I appreciate that. And the feeling is mutual. And I Thank think you. you do great things. And, and keep focusing on Israel, because that's the... The issue that uh, so many of us, whether you're a Jew or, or a Christian or a, or a Muslim, should be focusing on today because it affects the future of all Americans. 100%. And I am losing sleep over it. But thank you so much for coming on today. You're the one person I was uh, dying to talk to. And on the way out, you do realize you and I did an event, an event, a rally years ago. Me, you, Dove Hiking, and others. Remember, out, you remember? The, the New York Times. The New York Times. Do you yeah, believe, and do you believe the New York Times? Yes, do you believe the New York Times this week rehired a guy who's basically – you saw that? Yeah, I saw that, and let me tell you, they have some other Nazis as well or supporters of Nazis because they have Hamas supporters on their staff. And if you're a Hamas supporter, you're a supporter of Nazis. That's, it's as simple as that. If you support Hamas, you support Nazis. Well said. Alan, I love you. We'll do it again very soon, buddy. Stay well. Take care, bye. Take care, Alan Dershowitz right there. Before we get to Larry Kudlow. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
How about 849 on your Tuesday morning? Larry Kudlow is one of my all-time favorites, 10 to 1 every Saturday. And, of course, on twice, he's so good he's on twice, Fox Business, 4 to 5 and 7 to 8. And I love him on radio. I love watching him on TV. He's just smart, my type of guy, making his return to Sid and Friends in the morning. My friend Larry Kudlow. Larry, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Good morning. Nice to have you back. I, um, You know, Larry, I get frustrated with people who want to give Joe Biden any credit at all. I'm just going to tell you that, and I'll let you go into this, but I don't care that he's pro-Israel. So what? Pro-Israel. For a guy that's pro-Israel, he has certainly done an awful lot, an awful lot to back the country that wants to destroy Israel every day. You can't be both. You can't be pro-Israel, but fund, fund, and loosen sanctions with a country that wants to destroy Israel. So what he says on TV and the crocodile tears means nothing to me. He's complicit in these attacks because how he's treated Iran and Obama, both administrations, over the last 10 years. And even yesterday, given the opportunity to say, hey, let Hamas destroy these people and get the hostages, he repeats himself, makes an error, turns his back to the cameras, and walks away and talks about bringing the hostages first. He's a complete disaster, Larry. There's nothing to give him credit about. He has been complicit in these attacks. How about that? <laughs> well, you know, I, I will agree with most of it. Um, it's amazing to me. I mean, he seemed to be supporting Israel uh, right after the October 7th uh, barbaric invasion. but. Now, you know, two weeks into it, two weeks and two days into it, he's going completely wobbly again. And this is a very bad thing and may have disastrous consequences. He's talking about temporary ceasefires or hostages. And he's, uh, by all accounts that I can gather from reporters and whatnot, uh, he and his administration are slowing down the Israeli uh, incursion into Hamas. I mean, it's very important that Israel annihilate Hamas. And uh, they've gotten the air out. Now they've got to go on the ground. You know, he, let me just raise a couple of points, because I agree with you. Um, he's let the sanctions on Iran go away. OK, that includes, by the way, the ballistic missile sanctions, where there's no snapback in the U.N. But it's the oil and economic sanctions. He's let that slip. So Iran has compiled a huge war chest. They basically refunded th- themselves because the sanctions don't work anymore. You sell, they're selling oil to China. They're accumulating $80 billion worth of foreign exchange reserves. They're selling drones to Russia. Uh, there's no interdictment. There's no impoundment of Iranian ships. The sanctions have gone away. And this is a terrible thing because Iran is the puppet master, Iran is the financier of Hamas, Hezbollah, all the terrorist groups in the Middle East. The other point I want to make here, Hamas killed Americans, okay? 30-plus Americans were killed. John Ratcliffe told us last night on the show, some Americans' heads were cut off, okay? Others were raped. This is an assault. This is a war on the United States. Um, Iranian-backed terrorist groups have been attacking American ships. They have been attacking our embassy in Iraq. And 
Biden says nothing about this, nothing about this. This is a war against the U.S. And we have to save America here. And we also have to save Israel. And it looks to me like the Bidens will do neither. We need warriors in the White House. I mean, here's the contrast, okay? Donald Trump bombed Syria, okay? Donald Trump bombed Syria while he and China President Xi were having chocolate cake dessert in Mar-a-Lago a <laughs> I love of that. years ago. Isn't that great, Larry? Right? <laughs> yeah. Now, that sends a message, okay? Uh, Donald Trump took out Soleimani, the Iranian strongman who runs all the terrorist operations. Took him out, right? That sent a message. What did Iran do? They whimpered. Why did they whimper? Because they were broke and had no money. Why were they broke and had no money? Because the Trump administration enforced the sanctions. We stopped them from selling oil. We stopped them from banking. We stopped them from doing business with uh, third-party countries. Iran was broke. Now Iran is flush with cash. These are the problems in this uh, in this uh, discussion. So, so wait a second. So, so everything you just said is exactly what I said. You know, uh, so I can't give Biden credit for being "quote unquote" pro-Israel because you can't be pro-Israel and allow Iran to thrive. You can't be both. You know, it would be like Larry. It would be like giving the Germans money, and then when Hitler starting killing Jews, starting to cry and say, "I love America." Well, what good is that? You've already funded the Nazis. So I don't want to hear that he's pro-Israel, he cares. He, well, he made the enemy as vile very, and dangerous as they are today. He's a, yes, he, I agree with that. Uh, the long-term policy has failed. Uh, the Biden policy towards Iran has been appeasement. It's been appeasement from day one. They wanted uh, an Iranian nuclear deal, which was insane to begin with. They tried to buy off Iran. You know, with a few billion dollars here and a few billion dollars there by unfreezing certain accounts. But the reality is Iran's selling all this oil to China, so they've accumulated $80 billion in foreign exchange reserves. Uh, Biden will support additional funding for Israel, and it will pass the Senate. And eventually, if we ever get a House speaker, it will pass the House. So there is that, Sid. And Biden's rhetoric was, at least at the beginning, very strongly for Israel. But again, now he's going wobbly. It didn't take long. And they're looking this. You know, we should not be negotiating with terrorists. Correct. This was a policy started by Ronald Reagan. This was a policy, I might add, that was continued by Donald Trump. But it was Barack Obama who started the negotiations with terrorists which, by the way, Obama later said was a failure. And now Joe Biden is continuing. Yeah. We, we should just unloose the IDF and let them do what they're going to do. All right. Annihilation of the best hostage policy I can think of is to annihilate Hamas. And then they will see the handwriting on the wall. But again, Negotiating with terrorists is a loser's game. All it does when you pay ransom, for example, it just encourages terrorists to kidnap more and take more hostages. I don't know why more people aren't talking about it. No, no, I am. I am because Obama made that terrible deal for Bo Bergdahl, which was terrible. Biden, $6 billion. Right. Right. Brittany Griner, terrible deal. You know, you say that initially Joe Biden's rhetoric was strong for Israel. And again, Larry, 
Hold on. Hold on. No, it wasn't. Hold on. You're a lot smarter than me, and please don't get angry with me. It was some of the wimpiest talk I've ever heard. His first time that he spoke to the nation, which I sat around for 90 minutes watching John Roberts on Fox News because he was late, the president. But I watched him. And he told some focaccia story about Golda Meir, which, by the way, I have no idea if it's even true because he lies about everything. And then the toughest word he used, never said Iran, never said terrorist, never said anything to that nature. The toughest word he used was don't. Here Donald Trump took out a map, Larry, and he showed the the Taliban and the Iranian leaders, here's where your mother, father, and kids live. I'll blow you sky high. That's tough. Not the word don't. Not the word don't. Trump, Trump told the Taliban guy, he yeah. says, I have your phone number. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you laugh, but it's true. He was tough. Reagan was tough. The toughest word Biden used was don't. Don't? Well, I'll say, I'll say this. Uh, we need, right now, we need a warrior in the White House. We don't have one. It's too bad. Uh, Biden has a long history. You know, Obama's former Secretary of Defense, Bob Gates, said that for the past 40 years, Joe Biden has done everything wrong on foreign policy, and it looks like they're going to make the same mistake again. So I don't want to quibble over that. The fundamental point is they must let Israel uh, loose. They must not. They must stop this nonsensical uh, withholding of the ground invasion uh, for hostages. The other point is uh, they've got to stop the appeasement policy of Iran and insert a deterrent policy and uh, economic and oil sanctions would be the right thing to do. He's not going to do it. So far, I don't see any evidence. But the other thing I want to say, Sid, is people have to understand this is not now only about Israel and Hamas or even including Iran. This is about terrorists killing Americans and terrorists taking Americans hostage. These are acts of war, and the United States must respond in kind We should be declaring war on these terrorist groups, and we should have an aggressive military posture in the Middle East. If, for example, there's a two-front war, Hezbollah up north in Lebanon and Hamas down south, the United States has got to get involved with its tremendous air power and sea power. I don't know about troops on the ground, although there are special ops. American special ops are on the ground right now helping the Israeli IDF. But this is a war against the United States. We need to save America, and we need to save Israel. And I will tell you this, Sid Rosenberg, the only guy that can do it is Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is the ultimate solution here. He must become president again. This is why I love you so dearly. Not just this, but that was just such a brilliant comment. And I couldn't agree more because like Trump, hate Trump. None of this happened during those four years. I've got a sister and a brother-in-law who hate his guts. And I keep saying, it's funny, you know, Biden went into Crimea and then, excuse me, Obama goes into Crimea, Biden takes over and rushes in Ukraine. And, you know, the Middle East is on fire. When Trump was there, you had the Abraham Accords and even Israel and Saudi Arabia was starting to make friends. And there was no talk of China and Taiwan. And even Africa wasn't as bad as it is now. Forgetting about the, the, the issues here with, with inflation, which is still way too high, and interest rates, which are strangling the American public, none of this was going on. None of it. None of, and my brother-in-law would say to me, what's your proof? What's my proof? I, I just read it to you. Right. You can't. I mean, the facts may be inconvenient, but they're facts. And these factoids are, you, you know, it's, it's okay. You can have whatever opinion you want, but you can't have whatever facts you want. 
and the facts speak very loudly. Uh, look, I'm proud to serve in the Trump administration. Look, I, uh, I talked to, to John Ratcliffe last night on our show, a brilliant guy. It was great. You know, Stephen Mnuchin and I uh, and others, we put together, we advised President Trump that we could strangle Iran's economy through tough economic sanctions. And Trump bought into it. He said, go ahead, put it together. And we did. And we observed them. And sometimes we had to stop Iranian vessels, okay, because they were carrying shipments that broke the sanctions. But we did that. The Bidens never do any such thing. They're in complete denial. And appeasement of Iran is the worst conceivable policy. It just encourages them to do what they're doing. I mean, now, look, you've got Houthis in Yemen shooting missiles at the United States Navy. You've got... uh, 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 other terrorist groups uh, shooting at the American embassy in Iraq. They don't fear us. Now, we've stopped them, you know, defensively. We've shot down their missiles and their drones, but we're going to have to be much more proactive. They have declared war on the U.S. So we have to understand that and act accordingly. The Bidens are in denial that they have declared war. And again, over 30 Americans have been killed by this Hamas attack. Has the U.S., has the Biden administration said anything about declaring war against Hamas? Oh, they send okay. ships. They have said nothing. They do nothing. nothing. About that. They send ships this over is- there, and they sit there in the Mediterranean. They do nothing. They have not said a word. You're exactly right. Once again, Larry Kudlow, proving how smart you are. And let me tell you something else. Not only, not only have they declared war in the U.S., but this is what really breaks my heart, Larry. As a Jewish kid from Brooklyn who lives very close to Bay Ridge, I watched 5,000 animals. That's what they were on Saturday night hit the streets. The U.S. has declared war on the U.S. How disheartening is that? Well, you know, uh, my pal Newt Gingrich has a tweet up, and he's talked about this on our show. We, this is the biggest wave of anti-Semitism we've ever seen in this country. And it's so bad. It's interesting The Justice Department, Merrick Garland and his Justice Department, which runs to stop Trump protesters, runs to stop pro-Catholics in churches, uh, they haven't lifted a finger. The Merrick Garland FBI not lifted a finger against the biggest wave of anti-Semitism in this country's history. Now, this is something that is profoundly, profoundly wrong. And why they're sitting on their hands is beyond me. They are so ideologically far to the left that they won't lift a finger with the worst wave of anti-Semitism in cities, on college campuses, you name it. This stuff, where they should be putting their foot down. They should be busting people left and right for this. These are hate crimes, okay? They're very quick to go after anybody that protests with respect to Donald Trump or in favor of Donald Trump. And those are peaceful protests, by the by, in the main. But they have not lifted a finger against this anti-Semitism. And, you know, it breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. But more importantly, it is wrong. And again, more importantly, we must retire Joe Biden and we must reelect Donald Trump. Trump is the only guy that can turn this around. We had peace and prosperity at home. We had peace and prosperity in the Middle East. We didn't hear a peep out of Putin. We didn't hear a peep out of Xi. We didn't hear a peep out of the Iranians. That's what a strong warrior can do in the White House. My other boss, 
years ago, Ronald Reagan was the same way. You have to have peace through strength, not through weakness. You can't be mealy-mouthing around about ceasefires and hostages when the bigger picture is you must crush the enemy, crush the terrorist enemy. And then you'll send a message to Russia, and then you'll send a message to China, and then you'll send a message, by the way, to the Gulf state Arabs who participated in the Abraham Accords. But under Biden, that is falling apart also. It's just, just a complete disaster. It's an honor to have you on this show. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, your show Saturday here is great. Your TV show every day is a must-watch. You're just a brilliant man, and I love you. Thank you very much for coming on today, Larry. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye, buddy. Larry Kudlow right there on Sitting Friends in the Morning, wrapping up three hours. Lots more to do. Paul Giacomo tomorrow. We back the blue here at WABC. Great event. John and Margot Katzmatidis, Chad, the whole crew. Big, big day coming up tomorrow. But Paul, he's going to drop a bombshell on what the cops were told not to do in the BLM summer of 2020. You don't want to miss this. Paul DiGiacomo and Michael Goodwin still to come. Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight. You are love at 919. Paul Giacomo is the union chief for the DEA, the detective endowment agency. And a couple of weeks ago, he invited me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, to Russo's on the Bay, Frankie's place, for the uh, annual awards dinner for the DEA. And I, I told you this story. You can still see pictures on my Instagram account, at Rosenberg.Sydney. And after giving out all these uh, awards to a bunch of really big people, Courageous officers, a guy like Scott Abrams, who I spoke to just yesterday. He's part of our First Responder Fridays coming up in November. 
all these guys that were stabbed and shot and still managed to do a day's work. And he gave me an award, which I thought was really over-the-top nice. And, of course, I cried. And it was just beautiful. And he's become a dear, dear friend that he's got some bombshell news that he found out from a former mayor just yesterday. I think he'll be here tomorrow for our annual Back to Blue event. Here he is, union head of the DEA, the great Paul DiGiacomo. Paul, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, my friend. Sid, how are you today? I'm great, and uh, thank you again for having Danielle and I at that event and the award. And you know, I'll keep talking about it because it was just beautiful. Thank you so much. I was truly out on it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, let's get to, uh, before we get to the big uh, de Blasio conversation, I know that uh, Paul Morrison is a very special guy in your life, and he has a couple of things going on from a birthday to a big retirement. So tell the folks about one of New York's finest, Mr. Paul Morrison. So Paul Morrison uh, is the uh, DEA vice president. Um, He served 39 years with the NYPD. Uh, he both served the city of New York and also served his fellow detectives. He worked in the Bronx. He's a recipient of the Combat Cross, and he's a true, true hero. And I'm going to miss him dearly. Uh, this, uh, it's a great loss to this organization, and um, I want to wish him the best on his birthday today and his, uh, and his retirement day today. Um, he'll, be, he'll be dearly missed by the DEA. So it's both? So, so today he turns 63, and at the same time today he retires after 39 years? Correct. At 63, they kick you out, unfortunately. I wish he could stay forever, but uh, I wish him the best on his future endeavors, his, him and his wonderful family. And, um, you know, uh, it's a very special day in, in the DEA today, something that's uh, sad, but at the same time happy because uh, he's retiring. And like I said before, he's, he's the recipient of the combat course, and he's uh, a great cop, a great detective, and he'll be dearly missed here at the office. Congratulations to Paul Morrison from all of us here in New York City. Talking about sad, I know you lost one of your finest uh, detective sackos, I guess, uh, killed by a drunk driver a couple of years ago. The, I believe the trial is going on right now. Is that right? What's going on with uh, that former hero who unfortunately was killed? Yes, Detective Sackos lost his life on April 27, 2021, uh, while uh, investigating an accident on the LIE. Uh, and he was run down by a drunk driver, and his, um, you know, he leaves behind a, a beautiful wife, Irene, and two young, young children. And that family has been devastated. And that trial is going on right now. We pray to God that uh, it goes right, and she's found, found guilty of the top charges that were brought against her. Absolutely. But when was this again? What year was this, Paul? Uh, April 27th, 2021. 2021. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, she needs to go away. This is the DEA Union Chief Paul DiGiacomo, loved by everybody. Loved and revered by every decent New Yorker loves Paul DiGiacomo. Um, <laughs> I mean that. So you had a, uh, a lengthy conversation with someone I don't love, but that's fine. And uh, he's the former mayor, Bill de Blasio. And when you texted me what you guys talked about, my ears perked up. Now, I heard something from Melissa DeRosa's book. You know, she's uh, Andrew Cuomo's buddy there. She worked alongside Andrew. And uh, she has a book that just came out last week where she talks about the nursing homes, the riots, all these things that may or may not pertain pertain to what you're talking about here. But uh, at any rate, tell everybody what your discussion with the former mayor was. And and now it'll start to make more sense why we saw what we saw on the streets of New York in the summer of 2020. Well, when the riots were at their peak 
um, you know, there was uh, looting and this disarray all over the city of New York. Uh, you know, and, and I was holding the police radio, and you could hear uh, the distress in these police officers, the detectives' voices calling for help out on the street. They were uh, outnumbered. They were getting assaulted. Um, they were getting rocks and sticks thrown at them. They were breaking into stores uh, all over the city of New York and looting. And I called the mayor and I said, well, what the heck is going on? And the we mayor at the time was de Blasio. It was before Adams, Blasio. obviously. That's correct. Yeah, Mayor de Blasio. I said, what the hell is going on? We are the New York City Police Department. We know how to handle these situations. We've handled them before. You know, the deployment was low. And we have specially trained units within the NYPD that handle these type of situations. You have the emergency service unit. You have the mounted unit. You have the uh, SRG units. They handle these type of situations, and they were not deployed uh, to these locations where cops were calling for help. And uh, he had no answer. He just said, oh, it's the police commissioner. But you're the mayor. You're the one who makes the calls. I called the police commissioner. He told me that it was the mayor, and the mayor would not release these units uh, to take, take action against the, uh, the criminal element that was uh, rampaging through our city. So uh, it was a terrible day in law enforcement. A lot of detectives, a lot of cops were injured, hurt, and uh, it's, it's a day I hope we never see again. Well, we kind of saw a day close to that uh, just Saturday. I don't know if you were listening yesterday, but I had the uh, chief of patrol, John Shell, and uh, the assistant commissioner, Kaz Daughtry, on the show yesterday. Yes. And they were both in Bay Ridge on Saturday night when uh, these animals, and that's all they are, they're not peaceful protesters, they're not pro-Palestinians, they're pro-Hamas, which means they're pro-murder. And 5,000 of these animals uh, took to the streets of Bay Ridge, and it ended up with them uh, doing things to the cops, throwing bottles, spitting, and 20 of these uh, people ended up getting arrested. So we saw some of that unrest just a couple of days ago right in Bay Ridge. Absolutely. And what we do here at the Detectives Union is there's a, if there is a situation like that and a detective is assaulted, uh, we find out who assaulted him. Not only do we charge them criminally, but we also go after them civilly later on and sue them and get them in the pocket. That's, the, that's what they do to the police department all the time. Well, we're, we're reversing that role now. And anyone that assaults a New York City detective could count on being sued civilly as well as being prosecuted criminally. See, the, um, that's where the whole qualified immunity comes in, right? would be nice. That's correct. I really thought there was uh, something in place, and I think Mayor Adams did it, that uh, basically doesn't hold people responsible for uh, touching officers, if you will. Yeah, but this is our own law firm that are, you know, orchestrating and bringing these suits against uh, perpetrators that assault uh, New York City detectives. We've done it before. We have a couple in suit now, and we'll continue doing it. Uh, The law doesn't just work for one side. It works for the detectives and the police officers that protect this city every day. You know, you're a great pregame show, Paul, for the Back to Blue event coming up tomorrow. You're basically Sims and Esiason getting us ready for Giants and Commanders. That's your role right now, the day before. A great pregame show. And you and I have had uh, a lot of discussions on this show about the current state of the police department, the mayor, Mm -hmm. government officials, the city. And to be honest, as uh, jovial as you are, you're a very, very friendly, smiley, nice guy. Most of our conversations, you seem pretty pessimistic about what's going on in this city and the future of this city. Where do you stand this morning? 
Well, you know, I'm very concerned about the future of our city. Uh, the reason being that, uh, you know, crimes are being committed throughout the city and throughout the subway every single day. And uh, we're making the arrest. But the reality is many of the district attorneys are not prosecuting these arrests and there are no consequences. So that's one problem on a city level. On a state level, uh, we have the bail reform laws that were enacted that increase crime throughout the city and the state of New York. And on the federal level, uh, we have uh, the Biden administration. Uh, right now, uh, this war that's going on is putting our city and our state uh, in jeopardy. Uh, you know, it's something that the NYPD is concerned about. They're concerned about terrorism. And it's something that we have to really uh, pursue vigorously. Now, to ask you that on the way out here, Paul, wrapping things up between the illegal migrants, whatever you want to call them, seekers, I don't care. We've got a town hall meeting tonight, me and Curtis actually, for the issue at Floyd Bennett Field at the Rockaway Knights of Columbus at 7 o'clock. So between that issue and uh, the real threat of some of these Hamas and other terrorists here in New York now and being here for years, really since 2021, above and beyond the just the subway crime and the everyday New Yorkers committing crimes on the streets, how much more difficult are your jobs these days? Well, the enemy is within. And when the enemy is within, it's very difficult uh, to monitor them on a, on a regular basis. But rest assured, the NYPD detectives are, uh, not only in the uh, intelligence division, uh, but also in the Joint Terrorist Task Force with the uh, FBI. Uh, they will do it. They'll do it vigorously, and they'll, they'll uh, keep an eye on things because it's a very, very trying time in our city and our country. Agreed. Will I see you tomorrow for sure? Absolutely. Is uh, Henry going to come by, too? or? Oh, I don't know, but I do have... Uh, I do have one of our line of duty uh, families, uh, Detective Veve's wife will be there. This is a detective that was uh, dragged in the 6-7 precinct, and he's uh, confined to a wheelchair. You saw him that night. At yes. The uh, his wife will be there to speak as well, and she's oh. a wonderful woman. Oh, great. Uh, him and his wife both came here from Haiti to get a better life. He became a police officer. She became a, a very well-renowned uh, nurse, and uh, their lives were turned upside down by, mm. by the criminal element. So, mm. uh it's something that we look forward to tomorrow. She'll be speaking, and I look forward to seeing her and you, my friend. You too. I love you. I actually interviewed uh, Scott Abrams yesterday. and he, he, Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, and he was like, Sid, I, I'm so excited to meet you that Thursday night at Paul's event. And mm-hmm. he's a super guy, too, and uh, he's turned his life around. after a, another, another cop who went through a brutal, brutal time um, actually had a uh, head-on collision on his uh, during a funeral procession uh, being thrown yeah. off his bike. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Paul, you're two great. Heroes. Yes, two heroes. I'll see you tomorrow morning. And as always, thank you so much. What a great job. Thank you. Thank you for your support, my friend. Come on. You're the man. Easy to support you. That is uh, Paul DiGiacomo, who, of course, uh, is the union head of the DEA. And he's just one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. That's the bottom line. He's a good man. Like my other friend who used to be the union head of the DOC. And that's the uh, very handsome Norman Seabrook. Who's listening right now? Good morning, Norman. We'll take a short break when we get back. He's one of the great writers in the country today, if not the very best. I mean that. From the New York Post, Michael Goodwin. We're going to kick the crap out of Joe Biden. Trust me, that's coming up next.
Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Come on, what movie? What movie? Come on. You know it. As times at Ridgemont High. Rod. Led Zeppelin 4. He got the whole thing wrong, didn't he, Lewis? Yeah, he said Zeppelin 4, and this is not on Zeppelin 4. <laughs> right. For all, the, for all the geeks that are out there, the first thing they see is, this is not Zeppelin 4. Like a million of those messages I saw from, uh, that was Damone talking to Rad. Rat. Rat. What side was it? Uh, Mark Ratner is his name. Oh, yeah. like, that's his he name. was the assistant to the assistant to the assistant to the, the movie theater. theater. Right. He had a big job. If she can't smell your qualification, then <laughs> yeah. forget about her. Such a great movie. You God, gotta, it was so good. you got to ace that jacket, Rat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you think about the cast of that movie for one second. You had Forrest Whitaker. Young, Sean Penn Young. Right. You had uh, two beautiful young ladies, Jennifer Jason Lee and Phoebe, Phoebe Cates, Cates, who's married to Kevin Klein, of course. You had Judge Reinhold, Judge Reinhold. who was uh, masturbating in the bathroom while Phoebe <laughs> Cates was on the diving board. That was a great scene. Doesn't anybody knock? <laughs> yeah. You had, uh, you know who was great in that movie? You dick. You dick. Mr. Hand, Mr. my Hand favorite Martian. Ray Walston. Ray Walston, very good. I know by, I'm missing some other big-time people, am by, I? By my estimation, <laughs> we, Mr. Spicoli, you have wasted approximately eight hours of my class time. And rest assured, that is a generous estimate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One guy that never wastes any time on this show or his columns in the New York Post is the great Michael Goodwin. Great to have Mike back. Mike, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, good morning, Sid. Thank you. You're welcome. Were you a big fan times at Ridgemont High fan? Something says no, but who knows? I could be wrong. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a movie. I watched it. All right, there you go. What is, what, I'm just curious because we discuss such serious stuff, and you're a brilliant man, but what is Michael Goodwin's favorite movie of all time? I'm curious. Oh, a favorite of all time. It's very tough. I mean, I certainly love The Godfather, uh, one especially. Um, yep. Um, it's a hard Casa, question. Casablanca. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. Thin Man. Uh, you know, any, anything with uh, uh, the, the, the Noor uh, qualities. Uh, you know, so I'll, I, I will watch them all. Uh, of course, it's a wonderful life. Who yes. Can, who can not like that? Grapes right. of Wrath. You yep. know, the classic, the right. classic American movies from the 30s. Yeah, notice he's a, uh, the yeah, 60s. he's a not exactly Porky's Revenge, you know. <laughs> no, that's right. I'm just I missed I missed all of that. Yeah, no, those are all great movies. I love them all. The only movie I would put in that uh, category for some reason, I love it. This is just a Sid Rosenberg obsession. Forrest Gump. I just I thought it was brilliant yes. the way they uh, did yes, all that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and of course in the movie he fought in the Vietnam War. We got all kinds of wars going on right now. I thought yesterday, Michael. I heard you on after Mike's show with uh, Kill Me. Okay. And I've been yelling and screaming. Even Larry Kudlow, he just yelled at him because Kudlow wrote a story where he said, you know, Biden did a good job early on, came off very pro-Israel, now he's wobbling. I said, I said, hold on a second, hold on a second. Joe Biden's administration, and I'll say it again, I said it all morning long, I know, is complicit here. They're the same administration, two, really two, going back to the Obama days, that loosened the sanctions, that never enforced any sanctions, 
that gave this murderous country $6 billion just a couple of weeks ago. They made $80 billion in oil because of Biden. So I don't want to hear how much he loves the Israeli people, how sorry he is. He is 1,000% complicit. I, used, I said to Larry Kudlow, it would be like somebody giving money to Hitler and then crying when the Jews were dying. It's too late. Well, I agree with you fundamentally, Sid. I think that the the issue for me um, is simply Biden's judgment. Uh, he's wrong. He's been wrong, and that's why I quote every chance it, it, it's appropriate, the great Robert Gates line about Biden, and he's been wrong on every national security and foreign policy issue for four decades. Now, he said that in 2014. So we're approaching the fifth decade of Joe Biden being wrong, and he is wrong on Iran. He has been wrong on Iran all along. And look, I mean, just as a sidelight here, the fact that Hunter Biden and Joe and Jim Biden were monetizing all of these foreign connections, we have no evidence of Iran in, in that regard. But I think it does say that he saw these foreign uh, officials and businesses as a way to make money. And so I feel like he's never he's never taken that basic fundamental thing about, uh, you know, if you want uh, peace, prepare for war. He's never understood that. So he approaches these countries very differently. Uh, look, he you know, he's now attacking America over Islamophobia. And he harkens back to 9-11. But he voted for the Iraq war. Um, he was never an opponent of that. And so when he talks about America making mistakes and going too far, filled with rage, I mean, I just feel like he doesn't, he doesn't really like America. He, he has this thing about, oh, the lunch pail Joe and all that. It's B.S., it's BS. He has gotten rich in government service in ways that are unexplainable except for the connections to his son and brother's business. Well, it's explainable. So that's, let me just say, right. that's a backdrop Corruption. for me. Yep. But in this current situation, I think he's misreading what the stakes are, and he's misreading the enemy. Now, it's good that he sent the, the, craft, uh, the aircraft carrier strike groups. That's good, but Iran is going to test, and it is testing by attacking our troops in Syria, who, I mean, we still have a few hundred, and in Iraq, where we have, I think, about a thousand. So Iran is attacking Americans, and he keeps, act, and Iran is behind Hamas and Hezbollah and the Houthis, and he keeps acting as if Iran is somebody you can do business with. That's the fundamental misreading that and now he's imposing that view on Israel. And so the hug that he and Netanyahu shared is going to is becoming very expensive to Israel. And there's a lot of complaints in Israel that Netanyahu has basically lost his autonomy to lead the nation because Biden is telling him that he cannot invade. This is, this is a serious moment, and that thing is bubbling up 
much more in Israel, I think, than we realize here. No, I know it because I've got people on the ground, Michael, that I bring on every day, Alex Trayman, Carolyn Glick. They work for JNS. Yes. They're in Jerusalem. You know who these people are. Yes. Yes. And, and they have voiced their displeasure with Biden. They have voiced their displeasure with Netanyahu, first of all, for allowing this to happen in the first place, and and uh, this kind of back and forth. And they want to see Hamas annihilated, not take any, uh, really, uh, any advice from the United States. They don't care about that. And I'll tell you something else. You mentioned Gates' comment. Let's go back to Barack Obama. I think you said this yesterday. Don't underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. But you know what? He, right now, is also complicit because Biden is a, is like a child, okay? He is so mentally unequipped and really pretty dumb. He doesn't do this by himself. So he was reared in administration with Barack Obama and John Kerry where they were going to make Iran – their China, like with Nixon and China, they were going to fix Iran. So that's how he was weird. He was born yeah. into that. So while I, I'm not making any excuses for Biden, because, again, I find him to be complicit in this war, when he was a baby, if you will, his parents, Obama and Kerry, taught him Iran can be a friend. Where is Obama today? He's also complicit. Well, and look, even let, let's just give Biden a pass in the Obama administration on this, how do you at this stage still practice that, still believe that, given what Iran has done, not only during the Obama years, but since the Obama years? And look how Trump dealt with Iran. That was the different way. I mean, people are now, I think, more people are beginning to recognize that Trump was right about Iran. He droned Soleimani, who was the head of the Quds Force, which is their terror arm, the one that trains the Hezbollahs and the Hamases and acts as their paymasters and puppet, puppeteers. Trump took him out, and that was... The thing that Iran finally paid attention to, it, when you give them money, when you give them sanctions relief, when you invite them to be part of a nuclear deal, they will always ultimately say yes and then not change their ways. So they'll, they'll, they'll take your gift and then they'll stab you in the back. Because that's the nature of that regime. That's the nature of the mullahs. How can you not learn that if you're Joe Biden, if you're Anthony Blinken, if you're Jake Sullivan? How can you think that they've really changed? Where's the evidence that Iran ever changed? There's none. Zero, in fact. None. No, They're attacking our soldiers now, right. and we're still trying to be nice to them. Listen, I've got a buddy. His name is Ben Weenthal. He's a great writer. Not as good as you, but he's great. And he's in Jerusalem, but he lives in Germany. And uh, when we first made the deal with Iran, I was working in Miami, you know. And Ben would call me every day and go, hey, Sid, read my story in the Jerusalem Post today. And he must have written 50 stories, Mike, I'm not exaggerating, of how often Iran never complied with anything in that deal. They were continuing to gather yes. nuclear elements every day. So not only have they not changed today, even when the deal was on the table and we were acting as if they were going to be our friends, they spit in our face every day. We've got documented evidence. And, and listen to this. He's absolutely right. They never actually signed that deal, although we did, and we uh, abided by it. They didn't sign it. And even, even as we are now trying to coax them back in, as of two months ago, um, 
they still wouldn't even talk to America directly. They, they, the Russians were the go-between. Imagine that. Vladimir Putin was the go-between between the United States and Iran and wow. acting on behalf of Europe as well to get them to come back in. And yet we keep acting as though they can be trusted. I mean, this is the thing that drives me crazy about Biden. And when, when he now takes that mindset and applies it to Israel, he has really got Israel over a barrel because Israel needs the Iron Dome. It needs American support, both just for public relations and in reality. Uh, but now Joe Biden is in many ways becoming the uh, decider for what Israel is going to do to conduct this war. Now, look, I, I don't know what is the right way uh, in terms of how fast you go into Gaza. What about the, there? There are lots of legitimate questions, but those are decisions that should be made by the government elected by the Israeli people. It should not be made by Joe Biden uh, or uh, Lieutenant uh, Austin, the uh, Secretary of Defense. It should be made by Israelis. Uh, and yet Biden is basically dictating yep. what Israel can do and yep. when it can do it. Makes no sense. 60 seconds to go, Michael. Let's take it home because the reason why I really enjoy your writing the most is because you do a great job both nationally and locally. When you consider the amount of getaways and sneak-ins and, uh, you know, illegals and all the folks that have been coming here since 2021 from some of these terrorist countries, a lot of them. I'm not talking about the Venezuelans and Floyd Bennett Field. I'm talking about people from Yemen and Afghanistan and, and uh, Hamas people that hate us. They're here. Okay, so you got those people here. Then you've got the illegal crisis. Then you've got just New Yorkers out of control committing crime every day on the streets and inside the subway. How dangerous, on a serious note, how dangerous is New York these days? Well, look, um, there's, I think, very little doubt, Sid, that uh, some Iranian sleeper agents have come across the border. I mean, others uh, who wish America ill will, whether it just be cartels, which I say just because they're probably not going to use try to use nuclear weapons. But uh, when you, when you open the border... And you are the great Satan to some of these countries. They are going to find, you know, you left the back door open. They're going to be in the house. So we don't we know how many on the terror watch list have been apprehended, but we don't know how many got through. And we don't know of the radicalization attempts. I mean, we are we are just committing suicide this way uh you know there's a great line from one of the earlier supreme court justices which is the constitution is not a suicide pact we don't have to do this this is not required that we let everybody in uh who wants to come there's i mean we've had an immigration system for more than 200 years it was a joe biden decision to do this so it all comes back to him. I mean, when you look at the economy, you look at the foreign policy, you look at the border, this is all Joe Biden. And now he's going to tell Israel how to secure itself? <laughs> I mean, it, it really, he's such a mess. He's really a mess. Yeah. And you're right. We don't know what role Obama is playing in all of this. But wh whoever is pulling the strings here 
It's bad. It's a bad situation. Yep. And yet my friend Donald Trump is in a courtroom in New York because of a racist DA and a racist AG with a backstabbing lowlight named Michael Cohen. How does any of this make sense? Hey, uh, Michael Goodwin, you're the absolute best. I love you. Thank you again for another great conversation, and stay safe. My pleasure. Thank you, Sid. You're the man. Michael Goodwin, folks, New York Post.